Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the TAW pay-per-view review of WWE Tables, Ladders, and Chairs 2020, right here on the Totally Awesome Podcast. The podcast so bad, you might just tap out. My name's Josh Ageddon, and I'm joined with... I am, as always, your colonial champion, Sean McCarty. And we are also joined by Note uh, Skyler in the form of Notes once again, so he switches between human form and note form just like a note version of Majin Buu. Or Mick Foley. Yeah. This, this is like a dude love appearance. And so he, savor it So yeah, he did send us uh, his notes, his analysis, I guess you could say. It was like over a couple thousand words. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he calls he the intro he calls the preamble, and I'm just like, so is this like the freaking Constitution or something? Uh, he wishes his opinion was the rule of law, but that's a different story. <laughs> I thought I thought like constitutional colonial stuff was was your gimmick. Okay, so Tables, Liars, and Chairs, 2020. I personally enjoyed the show. I didn't think it was amazing or great. Uh, the matches, I thought, except for the main event, but we'll get to that. I thought it was a good show in ring-wise. The booking in this company in general is just atrocious, but you should be expected at this point. So, Sean, what were your impressions of the pay-per-view overall? Oh, no, this show was honestly not bad as I thought it was going to be. I mean, there was still there was still a lot of stuff I took issue with, but a lot of that, like most of the time, most of my issues come from presentation more than it actually does the talent themselves. And, uh, and we're going to talk in a lot of ways about that uh, over the course of all of these matches, but they've had much worse than this this year. Significantly. Pretty passable. L- let me put it this way. This is not high praise, but it was better than Survivor Series. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, by 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 a little bit. Yeah, by a little bit. So I will go ahead and read Skyler's preamble and a shout out to Skyler who w- was unavailable for tonight. Notes for the TLC podcast review preamble <laughs> still makes me laugh every time I read that. Uh, if it starts when in the course of human events, I'm gonna be really. Hello, Josh again and Colonial Champion Sean McCarty. It is once again Skyler's notes for the latest WWE pay-per-view event, magically printing out of the fax machine. I apologize for being unable to attend today's review. Right now, even as we speak, I am helping Alberto Del Rio track down and continuously run over Santa Claus again and again and again. I approve. (laughs) I approve. First of all, I'm pretty sure Alberto Del Rio is in prison at this moment. <laughs> Running out. Okay, fine. Shanking Santa Claus again and again and again. I feel like Sky. That's kind of one of those things that, like, he knows that he'd get canceled if he put that on my show. But when it comes to your show, he's like, Nah, let's just let it loose. We have no class or standards here at the TAW podcast. That's what makes it so good. Um. <laughs> That's why we preface it by it might make the tap out. So uh, buckle up. 
But speaking of running things into the ground, let's talk about WWE WWE's latest pay-per-view, TLC, which, by the way, should not be a pay-per-view, just like Hell in a Cell should not be a pay-per-view or Money in the Bank. Hashtag bring back creative pay-per-view names. I don't think that's going to be a top trend. First off, the Thunderdome is now officially on my nerves, and I apologize to Joshua for saying I liked it when they rolled the gimmick out at, in the first place. See, sometimes cr the crazy thing is, sometimes I'm right. Well, the, the crazy thing is, a lot of the times you're right, but you just reach the conclusion faster than everyone else does. I'm it's not just, a monster, I'm just ahead of the curb, okay? power on you. And you drink Monster. Yes. And so it, that's not related, but you mentioned the you made the Joker reference, but yeah. you do you spot things before everyone else sours on the proposition. Yeah. Um. All right. So uh, it is awful and terribly distracting, and made it a pain on the eyes whenever they pan to the fans, quote unquote, in the arena. Just have graphics up during matches, and this would have been so much better. I don't know if that would have been better. Uh, since we have moved to Tropicana, Tropicana Field in Orlando, we get more pyro because of Saudi Arabian blood money. Uh, baseball stadium for Tampa Bay Rays of MLB since the only sports Joshua plays or has interest in is wrestling and dick pulling. <laughs> I like soccer, okay? You're not wrong about the other two, but I also like soccer. Uh, production is an issue with crowd noise and camera angles all night because, of course, it is, especially during Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns. Damn it, Kevin Dunn and F.U. Vince. Uh, gonna try to keep it a teeny bit PG tonight. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. It's not gonna last. Um, did you, you watch the pre-show match, didn't you, Sean? I did see the pre-show match. Uh, what were your thoughts on it? Okay, well, did you see the pre-show match? Uh, no, I didn't. I never watched the pre-show. I know. Because i got know. better things to do, like wait right. for the show to well, start. <laughs> now, see, I write five, six pages of notes, but oh, I God. do more of mine like bullet points, whereas <laughs> Skyler's actually doing a term paper that he's going to pass <laughs> in to Gerald Briscoe. And <laughs> hey, as an English major, on. I can appreciate a well-written paper. I have yet to so, get, I have, now, when I say that, I have yet to get, I have yet to have received a well-written paper from Skyler. But this is a this is a written paper. Slam. Slam <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Anyway. This is, this is what you get, Grammar Note Sky, for wanting to be in this form of the show. You're gonna get slam dunked by the English major. Yes. But, uh... So for the free match show on TLC twenty twenty, Revenge of the Dunderdome, we have which is what I'm gonna call it from now on, is the Kevin Dunderdome. That's so because, accurate. Because it's really, it's really his show now. Mm -hmm. It's not about the wrestlers. It's not about the storylines. It's really about all of Kevin Dunn's additional BS. Mm -hmm. So we start out this match with an eight-man tag match. It is, I, you know, I don't even remember the participants. I didn't even write them down. It's, it was Otis, Daniel Bryan, Chad Gable, and a fourth man I will, and Big E. Against the team of Sami Zayn, Cesaro, Shinsuke Nakamura, and uh, and Baron Corbin, the Lone Wolf, with his Knights of the Lone Wolf, which makes no sense if he's a lone wolf. Why would he have people? <laughs> Does this make? Do these people think about these things before they pitch them onto television? 
We will come back to this topic time and time again. Not Baron Corbin, because no one wants to talk about him more than once. Not even once. But as far as, like, logic holes, there are so many throughout the show. It's, it's like, this one, this particularly was like, come on, guys. His moniker is the Lone Wolf. Do you even know what Lone, Lone means alone? It's lone like, it's like in Rise of Skywalker where Finn's like, yeah, alone with friends. And then, yeah, and then they did this thing, I think it was, they were trying to justify it, like, with an interview with Corbin, and Corbin says, oh, we're not... We're not royalty, we're not family, we're just guys who are royalty. I, I don't even know. It was so, it made zero sense. Absolutely zero sense. Uh, so this match started out actually kind of slow. It did not devolve into an eight-man tag pandemonium the way it normally does. They got everybody in, they all, you could tell who the definitive heels were, who the definitive baby faces were, who was feuding with who was made apparent. I hate the fact that they call Nakamura Shin. He is not a leg bone. Oh, as as we'll get to, uh, apparently Shinsuke is difficult for Skylar to spell, but we'll get to that in a minute. It's, I mean, well, but still, use Nox. Use Nakamura. I mean, and, and Nakamura, we want to talk about, like, travesties of justice with WWE and their people. No, no further than Shinsuke Nakamura. I loved Big E, one of the funniest things. Big E, as Nakamura was making his way down to the ring, Big E, being a total goof, is like air violining. Like he's like totally jamming into it like it's a Dave Matthews concert. And it was, <laughs> it was, it was funny. Uh, but, you know, that's Big E. And I wish Big E were a little more serious, but that's something else. You we'll have to insult later. him for him to be serious. As we saw later on in the show. I know. They, they never do. And uh, I think it's funny that they have no problem booking eight-man tag matches in the middle of a pandemic. I can't wait for them to fill up the Royal Rumble with 14 or 15 guys in close proximity. And then no, <laughs> nobody bat an eye. Yeah. Can you imagine how awkward a socially distanced Royal Rumble would be? <laughs> I would actually want to see that. Well, you know... This would have been the year for Brock Lesnar to just dominate everybody. Yeah, they should have done this this year, and not last, and not the, uh, the beginning of this would have year. Made way more sense. Yeah. <laughs> but hindsight is in fact twenty twenty. <laughs> nice, nice. So thank you. So anyway, so then what is up with Daniel Bryan's hair? He looks like one of the people from Whoville took a dump on his head. <laughs> It's just bad. Who is doing the haircut of Daniel Bryan? Is it might okay? It might be his daughter. He may have his daughter do it, where she's just like ah yeah, and just cutting with the scissors. Just so, think about this. Think about this. Can you imagine having a little girl and naming her Bird? Yeah, that's probably why she's taking the scissors to him. Why would you name your daughter Bird? Birdie. 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 That's that's even worse. Birdie. Birdie. I don't know what's worse, having the name Birdie or being the daughter of a Bella. Hi, my name's Birdie Brian. She's gonna... I'm, I'm Birdie Bella Danielson. So bad. It's so that, bad. That is, ladies and gentlemen, the new WWE Ultra Mega Galactic Universal Champion. <laughs> Birdie Bella Danielson. Birdie Bella 
Danielson. That may actually be one of the worst names on this planet. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. We have predicted the future. <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh... Anyway, so the rest of this match, it's not bad. It does kind of combust into a traditional eight-man tag, but they got the finish. Works really well as far as Sami Zayn trying to sneak his way into winning the match. Big E catching him, hitting the big ending definitively, looking great, getting the pin over the Intercontinental Champion. Really solid stuff here. For an eight-man tag that usually are pretty forgettable, this was actually pretty solid. And an even, I give and credit an even... to everybody, in the, and I even have to give credit to Otis here, oh, because Lord. there was one spot where Nakamura, I think, hit Otis, or Otis, Nakamura was like hands and knees on the ground, and Otis was falling. And Otis, if he had fallen straight, he would have easily just crushed Nakamura's neck and his skull, but he had just enough wherewithal to torque his body ever so slightly to get out of the way. So props to him for, you know, moving all that weight around and not killing Shinsuke Nakamura. There's plenty of murder on this show as it is. Yes. <laughs> yes, there was. And, uh, and honestly, this is one of those moments where Kevin Dunn's crowd noise actually kind of helped it. Uh, when we get to the Kevin Owens-Roman Reigns match, my God, but we'll we'll get to that. But yeah, I... it's... It, Yeah, sometimes so there are occasions. There are occasions where the crowd noise does help because it always sucks when you're watching a pay per view and the fans are just dead quiet. So yeah. at least in this era of pay per views with the stupid Dunderdome, there's always yes. noise. Yeah. Sometimes yeah, it's, it's uh, over it the top and ridiculous, but at least there's noise. It's for for a pre show match. Usually pre show matches are like okay. Or, or just not worth the time. This one was actually all right. For an eight-man tag match on a pre-show, it definitely outdid expectations. And it set up the... Because uh, on the Christmas edition of SmackDown, they're going to have Big E versus Sami Zayn for the Intercontinental title. Um, so at least it's setting up something. And if I, th I, I didn't spoilers come out for SmackDown? Yes, I, and I think... I think Biggie might have won. Shocking. Them going with a baby right. face? Uh... Well, I would like Biggie. I mean, at the least, we're not probably not going to talk about it, but there was one segment on this show where Sami Zayn started accusing Biggie, and then he kind of taunted Biggie enough to where Biggie finally got serious. Yes. And he got that look at his face, and I liked that. I'm like, yes, more of that. Yeah, Less his, his exact words. His exact words were, "You're just you've done nothing but float around ever since you broke up with the New Day." And Biggie got mad because people usually get mad when you point out the truth. So, <laughs> yeah, um, you're doing nothing but tread water. I think yeah. is what he called it. Yeah. So and, uh, and, and you know what? It's uh, I, I'd like to see more serious Biggie, and maybe we'll get more of that as the weeks roll on. But this was uh, honestly, this was serviceable. One of those ones where I would say, you know what? If you wanted to go back and watch it, I would recommend giving it a look. But, you know, it's WWE, so you don't have to you know, break your back to go and watch it. These are Skylar's notes for this match. Eight-man tag, Daniel Bryan, Otis, Chad Gable, and Big E versus Sami Zayn, Baron Corbin, Shinsake Nakamura, and Cesaro. Shinsake Nakamura. That's actually... That's accidental genius right there. That's funny. Uh, well, if we ever, uh, you know, if he ever needed a brother 
figure that he could pop in. You know, we could have Shinsuke and Shinsake. They, they need to do, like, Cruz. a gimmick where he just drinks way too much Japanese, like, alcohol. So he's Sake. Shinsake all the time. Shinsake. Nakamura. Oh, God. You know what? He should take Adam Page's gimmick and just become an unreliable alcoholic. <laughs> Just like try to be people's tag team party. He should pull the Scott Hall '98 gimmick. Oh, uh, then he really where, would be a rock star. Where Shinsuke Nakamura just comes in and he's just got like little teeny cups of suit of sake that he's just pounded. <laughs> and they rain from the sky in the empty arena. Oh my God! Him teaming up with the Street Profits and the Street Profits dropping just tiny like millions of little porcelain sake cups. <laughs> I'd be down with that. Do you see what you've done? Do you see what you've done, Skyler? Uh, all right. Anyway, so let me set. That's his fault. Yes. So let me get this straight. Again, I'm an English major. I notice stuff like this. Uh, so let me get this straight. You set up Sami Zayn versus Big E for the IC Championship and Daniel Bryan versus Jey Uso and SmackDown the past few weeks, and not only do you not decide to give us these matches but then you lump these guys together for a meaningless eight-man tag on the pre-show with Corbin and Otis, of all people, FU Vince 2. The babyface is won in 8 minutes and 35 seconds with Big E pinning Sammy, but who really cares? Apparently, Big E versus Sammy Zayn for the IC title will happen on SmackDown on Christmas. Match should have been on the pay-per-view. I kind of agree with that. Yeah, it would have been nicer. I mean, honestly, any time... You can fit a singles match into a show. I'm all for singles matches over gimmick matches, which is kind of an overlying theme. And some, a point that was driven home this show is that just gimmicks just do not do it for me anymore. Yeah. Not the way they used to. So the show actually opened with, and this was the first thing that really got on my, uh, immediately, immediately as the show came on the air, we started with Drew McIntyre defending the WWE title against AJ Styles in a tables, ladders, and chairs match. Okay, let me get the positives out of the way first. I thought this was a very good match and a very good opener. There was a lot of crazy stuff. There was a lot of crazy bumps. I love the Gorilla Press Slam on AJ through a table to the outside. My favorite thing in the match was when AJ had him in the calf slicer, the calf crusher, in the ladder... And Drew responded by doing the basketball head slam into the ladder. I thought that was awesome. And I loved how they made Drew McIntyre an unstoppable babyface. That said, several I have several issues with this match. One, why are we opening the show with the WWE Championship? I mean, because, because this company hates its own world title. This company hates the... This is the wrong world championship to hate. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. But they have hated this belt since since they launched the Universal title. They have hated this belt. This belt has main evented, what, five times in six years? They want so badly for the Universal belt to be their main belt. Which sucks for the rest of us because, as I've discussed numerous times, the Universal Championship is the biggest pile of human excrement on this planet. And I actually have an hour-long tirade on my channel, one of the episodes of the TAP, where I just ex I go into the title's history and lineage and just excoriate it. So go and listen to that. Only, and it's only been made worse since then. That was like a year ago you posted that. Or like early, like six months ago or something like that. 
Um, it was, and it's it's gotten no better. Well, I, it's and, gotten a teeny bit better because Roman Reigns has had a very good Universal Title reign. Yes, but still, and also Drew McIntyre has become CM Punk from 2012. He's the main champion. But, but he cares? never, he, he's like the secondary champion. Like what Roman yeah. Reigns said before Survivor Series, he's number two. It's so he's a, obnoxious. He's the world mid-card champion. Yes. And That's the, really what it is. And I, I made the comparison to CM Punk because C, when CM Punk was WWE champion for 434 days, he rarely main-evented main pay-per-views. It was always what John Cena was doing was the main event, or what Triple H and Brock Lesnar was doing was the main event. CM Punk barely ever main evented pay per views as champion, so it was like, why even have him as the champion? Except, except AJ too. AJ too. Same thing with AJ Styles. Except at least AJ and CM Punk actually main evented pay-per-views and won matches. Every time Drew McIntyre main events a pay-per-view as WWE champion, he loses. Except for the one time he won it. Except for when he won it, but like he if he goes into a pay-per-view as champion and main events, he loses. And explain to me once again why it is that Randy Orton won that Hell in a Cell match. I have no idea. I have no idea. Because it's... so he could set the Fiend on fire. I... D- I- that's not. I don't even. <laughs> Could you hear my brain stop working for a few seconds? This, this, I have no words. This company. I just, this, this is what they did. Company. They had Drew McIntyre, who was champion for a long time, for most of the year, main event a pay per view against Randy Orton to close out their feud. They had him lose. Just so he could win the title back on Raw a couple weeks later, so he could go to Survivor Series in the main event to lose. So he could go to the next pay-per-view as champion to open the show. In other words, business as usual for the WWE title. Normally I wouldn't care, but I love Drew McIntyre, so that makes me hate this company. Remember when they took it off of Jinder Mahal just because they didn't want to have Jinder versus Lesnar? And they did that on SmackDown, too. Just uh-huh. sort of like, all right, we'll have AJ Styles. I mean, honestly, that was a better situation that got us a better match. But Much like, better match. At the same time, WWE title. I think them putting the strap on Jinder Mahal was their way of trying to make it not as important as the Universal title. That may have been their plan. Let's devalue the WWE title by putting it on Jinder so an actual wrestler with the Universal title will seem more important. If only Jinder had had more build up to that point because he really did improve a lot during that reign. And if he had had more prominent singles positioning, I think he might have actually been better better suited for that role and we'd look at it a little more fondly but in in any event here's something that bothered me about this match first of all i hated this match <laughs> yeah uh i like this match sean did not like this match at all i did not like this match at all and now don't get me wrong it's not drew's fault it's not aj's fault first of all it being first this would have been a great main event with a crowd if this was the main event of the show and had an audience, this would have been awesome. This would have been this would have been a match of the night, bar none, hands down. Everything involved, even Miz getting involved later, uh, would be huge. People would have loved that. It would have added a mystique to it. It would have been great. But this match went forever. It and was it a long one. With, it started with AJ Styles uh, making his entrance, and then they did the video package. 
they've been doing that more and more often as of late, and I wish they would stop. It's just bad formatting. It's bad. It's bad presentation. It's just it, there's no reason for that to happen. And then they do title intros for a gimmick match that's meant to heighten the stakes. So instead of fighting right away, they're all going to just sit and pose in front of nobody for the Dunderdome when they're supposed to be about to be beating each other up with weapons for the for what's supposed to be the most prestigious title in the business. Opening first after the champion keeps losing every time he's in the main event of a show. Yeah. I and hate then, this company. Uh, and then there was the commentary, which we'll talk about all night. I'm not going to lie. For the most part, I tuned out the commentary because I'm just so numb to it at this point. I just didn't even listen. I just focused on what my eyes could see. Although there were a few points where I did notice some dumb lines from both, well, from mostly from uh, from Michael Cole, of course, and from naturally. Todd Phillips. And well, this one that I uh, that was here. This one was a point that Samoa Joe made. So as uh, as Drew McIntyre's taken off the gauntlets here in this TLC match where there are no rules, Joe's like, "Why take off the gauntlets?" To protect your arms and their metal. And I was like, you know, you kind of got a point there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, you know, remember when Roman Reigns had his vest that he wore for years? Yes. So, and then, uh, and then this match just started, it just started going on and on and on and on and on and on. And it just, it just kept going. And why is it? For these matches, why is it every single Drew McIntyre match this entire year has had everyone work on Drew's left leg, and somehow Drew McIntyre is still goddamn standing at the end of this year? Yeah, I've noticed that. Why do they work on the left leg when he Claymore kicks with the right? Well, because it's it's based on the orient, you know, the left angle style that that American wrestling is involved with at least because they, they never really use what the they never do that there is some sort of technical reason why it's always using the left arm or the left leg but the problem is change it up people who's agenting Drew's match where they're telling all of his opponents aim for the leg but then they're going to make sure that they never sell it after the pay-per-view's over I will say that I thought that during this match he sold it well, although he did do a military press with AJ without selling it, and I was like, oh, and then after he threw him, he started selling it, and I was just like, okay, that kind of takes me out of it a little bit. But the, yeah. the throw was cool, so I forgave it. The chop over the top rope was nice and loud. And I did think there was a part where Drew McIntyre, the spot was Drew McIntyre suplexes a ladder at AJ, and AJ rolls out of the way. AJ did not roll out of the way good enough. <laughs> he got smacked with the ladder. So that no, I bet that sucked. That was cool. That was that was innovative. I will give him that. It's it's there was some innovating stuff in this. And then uh then AJ took forever to get the uh, chair in between the ropes, but I missed the spot and there was something that I thought of. So Drew uh, AJ was outside and Drew for a moment like he took some chairs and like started throwing them out. And, like, I th he did it just so he could position a table for them to go into whatever the spot was next. But it made me think, wouldn't it have been interesting if Drew McIntyre in the ultimate babyface move was like, I don't need to use the weapons. I'll just climb up and, and, I'll climb up and get my prize, but I'm here to be the most athletically talented and I don't need weapons to beat anybody here. And then you could tell the story that Drew McIntyre, even though... He really wants to use the weapons. That should use the weapons. 
won't use the weapons and still overcomes the odds. But, you know, that's that's just me playing fantasy. Yeah, I can kind of see that. I mean, you, but, but Sean, you have to do spot. Yeah. One thing uh, that really annoyed me about this match is you have Omos standing there the entire match doing nothing, and then at, at a point he finally steps in when he could have been helping AJ the entire... And with both TLC matches, there was way too much interference. Yeah. It got really yeah. repetitive. It got really repetitive. But he just... Sta- mean- at least at least in the, the later TLC match, Jay immediately got involved... So that made sense because it's no disqualifications. There are no repercussions for getting in unless you get beat up. Why was almost just standing there staring at the ring the whole time? Well, the ridiculousness of, of this is they have. First of all, it's ridiculous to even have two TLC matches on a show yep. if you want to have any sort of value to the matchup together. And it's even funnier is that with two TLC matches on the show on a show named after the brand stipulation, neither of them were the main event. <sighs> We'll get to that. We'll get to that. God, that also got on my nerves. Do you remember Do you remember in 2012 when they had the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view where an Elimination Chamber match started the show and there was another one later in the show and they closed with an ambulance match between John Cena and Kane? How awful that was. But did we not all embrace the hate? Yes, I did. I embraced the hate on that. Yeah, it was Jesse, so good job done. <laughs> what, what can you say? Well, like in 2010 when they didn't... Well, at least they closed in 2010 with a chairs match. They closed with the C. Yeah, that was... Yeah, that was pretty rough. And it also sucked. <laughs> Why? And we also had that one cheap tables, letters, chairs, and stairs pay-per-view. Oh, my God. The stairs and, match yeah. between Eric Rowan and Big Show. Bad. Where Eric Rowan is supposed to be an intellectual genius and Big Show's the smart one because he pins him with the steel steps. Bad. This company has a this. history of just being stupid. And I guess I guess my overall point here is it, if you wanted to have any sort of value left to TLC, I would have just had this be a singles match. Yeah. And you could do a lot of the same stuff. And I, I Drew versus AJ in a singles match would have completely stolen this show absolutely uh, without a doubt i mean and it it would have been i think that it would have just been a little bit better than what we actually got here because it just went long and then all the moves you saw everything you saw chairs you saw ladders you saw tables now so how is any of that supposed to hold value later and also um the miz came in him and john morrison trying to cash in um, I did think it was hilarious when almost was just holding the Miz and slowly walking him towards the edge and then just slinging him into the table as gently as possible. I thought that was really funny. But um, I have two. There are two things about this. On on the plus side, thank God Miz is not going to be WWE champion. Thank God. I'm my prayers have been answered. On the bad side, though, my God, Money in the Bank is useless now. Yeah. What was another, the point? Another gimmick that's dead. What was the point of Money in the Bank this entire year? They started it by giving it to Otis. No, 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 no. You got to back up. They started it by eliminating it as a match altogether and making it a cinematic t- bullshit for 20 minutes that included Brother Goddamn Love and John Laurinaitis, where everyone was running up the towers and the fucking demon puppet Vince McMahon just goes, 
out and squawks at people until Otis accidentally wins the belt where they have rings on top of the tower so they could still just proceed to have a normal match. And so they they did that. The women are competing at the same time, no less. Otis has the briefcase for God knows what reason. I guess Vince just thought it was funny. This tur- this walking, talking turd has the money in the briefcase. He loses it to Miz because his partner turns up. His partner Tucker turned on him, and we have heard nothing about nothing. that since. Gone. That has not been followed up on at all. At all. Just so Miz could waste his cash in. What was the point of what- all of this? Oh, and here's the kicker. This is what John Morrison came back for. My God. Fuck me. <laughs> you said the profanity was going to come pretty quick, and boy, did it. The create the creativity in this company is dead. This company is yeah. creatively bankrupt. Bankrupt. They are Absolutely coming up with, in fact, bankrupt. in fact, they are coming up with creative ways to be awful. Yeah, it's it's. Yeah, Jesus. It's, it's a gift. It's a gift to come up with even better ways to suck. I'm like but, normal, normally, I don't complain about booking that much. It's just like some storylines, and like my things are usually just what's happening in the storyline, what's confined to the pay per view matches, and all this. When the booking's this bad that I even I'm burying it, that's when you know. But this has been going on all year, and just stuff like this all year, and yeah. even before then. It's no surprise that they're, ratings-wise, in the absolute worst spot they've ever been in. I so ever. badly want them to dip below 1 million viewers for Raw. They I, they need I, I, it. They do. They, they do. need this kick I in the agree. pants. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and one of the nice things, though, AJ was at the top, and Drew McIntyre grabbed the chair and threw it at AJ's head, but it landed flat, so AJ got it flat in his face. Please take note, Sammy Guevara, because that is how you throw a steel chair. Yeah. Not fucking the top piece first. Not back seat first, so that, the guy, so that it hits him square in the temple. So, <sighs> so, as far as, like, the match itself... I've, I liked, Sean did not like, but both me and Sean can agree that the booking around it is absolutely atrocious. Yeah, it's... It's the story of the show. Yeah, and and you know, as a main... If this, again, if this were a main event with people, it would have been great. But in the context, in a vacuum, it was just... It was long, it was spotty, it buried multiple gimmick matches yep. some that weren't even on the show yep. in one match and it sucked I'm sorry and I like AJ and I like Drew and I like The Miz and Morrison Mor- I know you don't like The Miz but I like The Miz too this in no fault to any of the people's involved this match was bad I somewhat disagree but I understand completely why you have that opinion me I enjoyed the match for what it was, but I will agree it would have hugely benefited from a crowd and a main event position. Well, in order to to break the tie, let's head over to our third man in the booth. Yes, uh, Skyler <laughs> Noteberg. All right, he... Skyler Noteberg. Yes, Skyler Noteberg. Uh, you know what? That's his name from now on. Yes. 
is Shinsake Nakamura and Skylar Noteberg. That's wonderful. All right, so he says, Drew McIntyre versus AJ Styles with Omos for the WWE title, TLC. You know, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, and I am humbled WWE decided to book NWL's first main event, Drew McIntyre versus AJ Styles from NWL Revolution. And now, for those of you who don't understand that, you got to check up, because I think he forgets that this is your show. Yes. Because it is a totally awesome podcast. For those of you who want the overlying context of that, feel free to join the Court Martial Podcast, yes. which you can like, share, and subscribe, and hit the bell button for. And you can get all of the context, and we will bring you up to speed there. Continue. Bat padding aside, this match was great because of the talent involved, and glad we got to see this first-time matchup in action. By the way, the video package with AJ Styles saying he has won a TLC match before does not show John Moxley's face because AEW reasons. I noticed that as well. AJ Styles wisely goes for the knee of Drew McIntyre, like they do in every Drew McIntyre match, as Sean noted. While Drew uses his power to overwhelm AJ, just as I booked it six months ago. There was a series of spots, each more impressive than the next. Drew McIntyre knife-edge chopping AJ from the top rope to the floor. Drew suplexing a ladder, almost hitting Styles. He did hit Styles. AJ did not move out of the yeah, way. he tried. AJ, AJ's two calf crushers through the ladder and chair. Drew McIntyre picking up AJ Styles from the ladder as AJ was climbing like a small child and yeeting him from the ring through the table. I did not add that. That's what's in the notes, and I very much appreciate the correct usage of the word yeet. Uh, both AJ and Drew brought it, clearly showing how important the WWE title is. Oh, I disagree with that. This show did not show how much how important the WWE title. This year has shown me that the WWE title is not important. And, and poor Drew McIntyre, because people are going to point at him for that, and he's probably the last person I blame for that. He is the he, he is trying great. his best. He's been great. Everything around him has sucked. Oh, I love this next part. How important the WWE title is and putting on a great match thus far and nothing could possibly ruin it. Miz runs in and cashes in Money in the Bank. <laughs> Damn it. So Miz comes in and cashes in Money in the Bank, ruining my boner. Fantastic. Thank you, Skylar, for the visuals. Uh, Skylar Bonerberg, uh, but almost saves this by throwing Miz through a table and chasing off scared John Morrison after John broke a chair over Omos's back. Morrison's selling of fear of almost was awful, especially when he had to force himself to trip over stuff. AJ takes a wild fall from the top of the ladder to the floor while fighting Miz thanks to McIntyre pushing him off. Also props to McIntyre for making Styles bleed hard way by slamming AJ's, uh, AJ's face into the ladder. The Miz eats a Claymore, which was beautifully sold. Then Big Daddy Drew McIntyre climbs the ladder and grabs the championship and wins as McIntyre should. This match was great, even with the interference, and got rid of the Money in the Bank Miz, which I am happy for. I like Miz, but he was not built up enough to beat McIntyre, and better get it out of the way now. Based on what we know from Raw, he may be getting, we may be getting Sheamus versus McIntyre next, which is Hoss, Hoss, Hoss. Alrighty. So there are things in that that I do agree with. I did think this was a, I would say it was a really good match. I wouldn't say it was great. I do not think the WWE title is being presented as important. I do think, while I am happy that The Miz is no longer Mr. Money in the Bank and will not be WWE champion, I do think that this entire year has made the Money in the Bank gimmick just laughable. But, you know. Yeah. No, it's, well, and considering that, like, when they put it on 
Otis, they had literally no plan for him. Because, like, every week you'd hear, oh, he's going to do this. And then, like, oh, wait, no, they're going to do this. And then every week you're going to wake, oh, wait, no, they're going to do this. And then, like, a week later, be like, oh, the Miz has got it now. Okay, now what? It's, it's like, there's no thought process week to week, which is why their continuity suffers so bad. Maybe it would help if every day Vince didn't wake up and say, oh, I just had an idea, or oh, I didn't like this, I'll rewrite the entire show. Maybe if he would stop doing that. Maybe maybe if he didn't have the attention span of a gerbil. Maybe if he <laughs> wasn't in charge anymore, the show would suck less. Yeah. Well, but that's not going to happen for like another ten water. years. Uh, We've been barking up that tree for years. It's going to... I'll tell you what, though, we're getting closer. That tree will come down when I have grandkids. Uh, it's... Paul Heyman interview. Maybe sooner than we think. Paul Heyman interview. Paul Heyman's burn of Kayla Braxton with aesthetics over competency, I see. Regarding her orange outfit and general terribleness was great. Noted NASCAR fan Paul Heyman's promo of Kevin Owens getting hurt by Roman Reigns at TLC later was a good touch. And glad Paul gets a chance to talk when Roman is not telling him to shut up or must stand in the corner and look scared while Roman Reigns works. Alright, I didn't really pay attention to this. I kind of skipped through it. I, uh, I saw Heyman's NASCAR promo. It was it was good. It was Heyman. It was animated. It was WWE format. So really stilted. A whole lot of like really whisper talking. Yeah. Instead of anyone firing a promo. I mean Heyman's great. Don't get me wrong. But it's it's a Heyman promo with NASCAR. The one thing I did like about this was that Heyman is like, what? You think I'm going to sit here and tell Kevin Owens what we're going to do? No, I'm not that dumb. Like. <laughs> It's like, no, we're going to do what we got to do, and that's that's that. All right. Our next match, uh, Sasha Banks defending the SmackDown Women's Championship against Carmella. Um, I thought this match was surprisingly decent. I agree. I, I actually liked this one. I thought this was, you know, it was solid. I wouldn't say it, I liked liked it, but it was solid for what it accomplished. I thought that Sasha needed a win like this to keep her reign going to make to kind of start breaking the stigma that she's had about losing every championship match she's in when she's defending as champion. They're actually starting to try to turn that around. Yes. Um, Carmella, I, I know that I'm going to have it out with Sky about this. I think Carmella, when you look at some of the women that they have on the roster, like Dana Brooke and Lana, and, oh. some, and some of those people who are really, really bad, I would take Carmella as a worker more than a lot of other people on this roster. Oh, I agree. Including people like Lacey Evans, mind you, and and the Riot Squad, yep. and uh, quite a few. Like, Carmella, before, before her uh, hiatus... I would disagree. But she appears to have improved a lot. Like, yeah, a lot. I think her, I think her new music is good. Uh, I, I don't... I'm good. I'm glad she's not Iggy Azalea anymore. Yes. Because that's what she was beforehand. I like that they've got, given her a little bit more personality. She's got that Vicky Guerrero-type voice that just makes you hate it yes. which makes her a great heel i, I will I say this i will say her snapping all the time is a bit too cartoonish for me but that's just a, that's just a nitpick she's but not thanos that's the worst that she's doing also speaks to her as well yes when when her and sasha 
when her and Sasha were transitioning between submission holds, like she kept going for the Code of Silence and uh, Sasha kept trying to go for uh, the bank statement, I was so impressed by how solidly they went in between transitions. They did not screw up at all. I was very impressed with that. Yeah, Mella, Carmella has really improved a lot. I think her promos are so much better than they used to be. Her voice is still very much unlikable, so that's good to know. Uh, but that, like the thing with the wine and things like that, I think Reginald is a terrible name for anyone involved in pro wrestling, and whoever came up with that for that guy should be shot. I, I actually kind of like it because it's obnoxious and he's like her male valet. So it, with the gimmick she has, him being her like bodyguard or whatever, it works for him because it, it plays off the obnoxiousness of it. That's fine. I just think the name sucks. Oh, I, I that's fine. I just I just think I think they did that on purpose. But I like I like him there though. I mean, it was funny that uh. Dunn started, uh, Kevin Dunn started drowning up Greg the Hamwich Hamilton's introductions. Yeah. Uh, because he's so, so superly, overly animated when he does his, his ring announcing. Not as bad as Justin Roberts, but, but bad. Now, uh, I will say there were a few things I did not like about this match. For one, there were so, several points where uh, Reginald interfered to the point where I was like, how is the referee not ejecting him from ringside? Like, yanking Carmella out of the ring, dodging and helping... She, he helped her do a move to Sasha in this match in front of the referee, and the referee just stood there and did nothing. And you know what makes no sense when even Michael Cole's like, that's gotta be illegal, isn't it? Yeah, but but I will it's say, this is it's the Michael same Cole referee... This is the same referee that did the whole, Seth, that's not you. You're better than this at that terrible Hell in a Cell match. So I'm oh, used God. to this particular referee being awful at his job. Oh, we'll talk about that Hell in a Cell match a little bit later because I got a point to make involving that match. But also, also, speaking of things that got on my nerves, Sasha Banks doing the Three Amigos there and the, and the Frog Splash. That, was, that, that in itself did not annoy me. It's Michael Cole saying, look, she's doing the Eddie Guerrero moves. Everyone think about Eddie Guerrero now. Isn't Eddie great? Too bad he's dead. It's just so irritating. I hate it. I genuinely hate it because it does nothing to get the, the actual person over. Yes. It literally diminishes them by bringing up somebody better. And then he and has the temerity to say, just like Eddie. That did not look anywhere near as good as the way Eddie did it, and it legitimately got on my nerves when he said, just like Eddie. Well, and I'm going to bring this point up now rather than later. I think only one person should do the frog splash, and I think it should be Kevin Owens. Yep. Because Kevin Owens, A, he's a solid 140 pounds heavier than Sasha Banks. So I imagine that, Sasha Banks giving anyone a frog splash would feel like, you know, when your dog jumps on your lap, it doesn't hurt. It's just mildly annoying. She's she yeah. she does not have the mass that would make that actually hurt. It's I mean, you could make that case about women's wrestling in general. But yeah, I, you yeah, know, yeah. We, we would very quickly be labeled misogynist and sexist and that we don't want to see women's wrestling, which is not the case. Can you imagine uh, Riho doing a frog splash? Riho can barely get a double stomp to look official. <laughs> so, 
And that's her only move, no less. I just got I just got a text message. We've officially been canceled by Twitter. So there goes that. I, I bet we have. Uh, so then they did. There was a lot of hair pulling, which was uh, I liked Mella's rope assisted head scissors, uh, which was cool. And then with the kick, there was still, there was really good stuff between both of them. Yeah. Uh, this is one of Sasha's better matches. I'm usually not a big Sasha fan, but she was okay. She did a good job here. Uh, see, uh, Corey Graves, of course, throwing in the ultimate cliche of "What do I have to do?" Well, he's got the load in his pants, talking about his girlfriend. Yeah. And uh, at least I will say this: I'm going to give another props to Kevin Dunn here, which I don't like to do because I usually very much enjoy hating him. At least he pumped in zero chance tonight at all. Can you imagine if he pumped in Eddie, Eddie, Eddie chance? I I actually would have turned the TV off. But it was noise. You know, it was noise, but it wasn't fan chance and that oh. was one of the things that really bothered me about survivor series i forgot i forgot to, i forgot to mention speaking of that there was a there was a point in the drew mcintyre aj match where drew did a chop and you heard the loudest most unnatural woo of all time yeah that was a sound bite so yeah. that was incredibly phony but well but, there's there's a lot of phony things on this show oh yeah most of them do involve Kevin Dunn, but I do have to say, to his credit, he is catching on to certain things that's making it at least a fraction more palatable. Yeah. And uh, now, and then, me and fight. me and you both enjoyed this match. We both thought this was a good match. Let's turn over to our boy uh, Skyler Noteberg to see how much he enjoyed this match. He didn't. It's a spoiler. Uh, Sasha it's Banks versus Carmella. For the SmackDown Women's Title, as I was watching Carmella's entrance, I could not help but think uh, to myself, "This is the first time I've seen this a girl's ass up close." And said, "Damn, this is gonna suck." <laughs> no offense to Carmella, but for this next sentence, Joshua, I want you to clap every word for emphasis. Okay, women, women wearing sexy clothes and makeup while wrestling is a terrible gimmick. That was wildly obnoxious, Skylar. But I agree. Uh, it, I don't know if that's really her gimmick, though. That's the, that's women's wrestling in WWE at, in general. They all have to they yes. all have to wear like at least three pounds of makeup. Yes. Which is ridiculous well, because like they're Ronda wrestling. You didn't like Ronda Rousey's wingtips? No. <laughs> Now, she, her trying to do her best to look like a bird was the most, some of the most ridiculous looking crap I've ever seen. Well, uh, what about Becky Lynch's metallic purple owl eyes? Where they were, they where they were genuinely trying to make her look hideous? Yeah, yeah. The, the makeup, makeup's hit and miss with them, man. Yeah. Real hit and miss. Uh, he says, it is not Carmella's fault because WWE has been doing this with 95% of their women talent since the 90s, especially blondes. Also, for the love of God, Corey, we know you and Carmella sleep with each other. I do not need to listen to your thirsty ass. <laughs> I Also, I do not need to hear the words melibration from Corey or it's boss time from Cole ever, agree- uh, ever again. I agree. Sasha and Carmella have practically the same gimmick except Sasha has blue hair. I disagree. Although I will say another instance of WWE being terrible with logic 
They cha they changed Sasha's uh, music from like her normal music to her super I'm a heel music uh, when she joined Bailey with the blue hair. Um, she's a babyface now, and she still has the dark, ominous I'm a heel now music. You know what they should play? They should play Eddie's 2005 Dominic's My Son music for her, seeing how she's Eddie Guerrero. Yes. They should and just start playing We Lie, We Cheat, We Steal. They should have her sit in the chair in the middle of the ring and just look sad for like five minutes and then leave. They need to come. They need to have her come in with like Snoop Dogg's vehicle and pump the hydraulics. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they should just completely rip off Eddie's gimmick. Just all make together. her. Just, just make, make her, her Sasha Guerrero. Replica of Eddie also, Carmella's friend Reginald Thomas is a poor woman's Omos, and if you're going to have two matches with two black supporters outside the ring, space the matches apart so it is not as noticeable. Also, Sasha doing stuff in homage to Eddie is great and all, but can we not do this every time she does the Three Inigo suplex or frog splash? Just because Eddie is her hero does not mean I need to hear it every time, Michael Cole. This match was fine for what it was, and both women tried hard, and there is an audience for it. But for me, Carmella is limited as AF, thank you for uh, censoring that, Skylar, as unnecessary as it was, uh, and Sasha can only do so much. When you have no emotional investment in either wrestler, a match becomes a slog to get through, and this one felt like it was forever. Also, WWE, you have Carmella drinking cheap-ass uh, champagne as a gimmick, but you literally have WWE wines you could have promoted. Better, better yet, you could have used Carmella's own wine label for her gimmick. Product placement, please. Wait, uh, okay, having her use her own wine, yes, that makes more sense. Yes, but I agree. I love the idea of Carmella just popping out an Ultimate Warrior bottle and just popping that in the middle of it. <laughs> just being like, yeah, that's right, Ultimate Warrior wine, let's go with that. It's like, oh, I'm going to have a taste of the dead man, just like Sasha Banks. <laughs> oh my god! Wow! That's... Uh, an opportunity there. I have to 100% agree with Sky. That would have been a, that would have been some quality entertainment. Oh my god, we are terrible, right. and I love it. Up next right. was the Billy Kay segment with Oscar. Kill it, me! Stop this! It's just more cornball WWE humor that is not funny unless you're literally a five-year-old with Down syndrome. Okay, now that's me I, going too far. Let, let me put it this way. All right. Segment that WWE does that isn't an interview with Paul Heyman or one person or doesn't involve the hurt business is cancer. It's garbage. It is awful. It's bad. It's just bad. And also, this actually set up for something that pissed me off later in the show. Okay, this the crux of this is Billy Kay wants to be Asuka's partner. Asuka says, I already found a partner. Later, when they're starting the tag match, Todd Phillips is like, did Asuka find a partner? Yes! She already said that a couple segments ago. The people on the show don't watch the show, so why should I? Well, because, I mean, they don't even listen to each other. There's I no hate the show. The present... Okay, I did not hate this pay-per-view. But the presentation of the show... The logic behind it and everything like that is absolute dumpster fire, cancerous garbage. Yeah, nine, nine times out of ten, it's not the talent that I ever have an issue with. It's presentation. Uh, 
voice presentation and how they go about doing their stuff. And this is that's a perfect example. I mean, and also, can we please stop with like the tear droplet face paint with Oscar? I mean, I'm kind of done with Oscar in general, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Yeah, same. but but um, just... up next we had the Raw yeah. Tag Team Championship uh, match, which was um. The New Day, uh, which was Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods defending against the Hurt Business, uh, Shelton Benjamin and uh, Cedric Alexander. Uh, let me Before we get into the match, can I just say that it is 2020 and we are still watching Shelton Benjamin and Kofi Kingston in tag team title matches. Think about that. The more things change, the more they stay the same, WWE. Can you remember, Kofi Kingston is a former WWE champion a year ago. You would not know if you were a new fan. Shelton Benjamin was Intercontinental Champion in 2005. And United States Champion in 2008 and 2009. And Tag Team Champion, and then he lost to uh, Sasha Banks and Tajiri. I mean, Eddie Guerrero and Tajiri in 2003. <laughs> match. Nice. I like that. Um, so, this anyway. felt like a really good TV match. So before this match goes on, we have Charlie Caruso with the New Day, and there's only one thing I gotta say about this. When they did their whole WWE, blah, 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 when they did that, it reminded me how much I really like watching Charlie Caruso shake her hips, and how much I don't like watching the New Day do it. <laughs> Call me crazy, but I'd rather see Charlie Caruso shake her hips more. You know, you know what? I, I am inclined to agree. I'm just, I'm just saying. Although I'm, I'm more into uh, real women like my girlfriend, and not robot women like every interviewer on WWE. Well, true, true. I, I will give you that. You know, and for and boy, if there was a dollar for every Botox lip in WWE, you could open up a savings account. <laughs> because, good God, there are a lot of them. Yes, uh, we will get anyway, to that in this. We will get to that in the Oscar match uh, later tonight. Yes. Well, anyway, so one thing that bothered me in this match is that they started this with Cedric Alexander running in and Kofi getting a super, a quick super kick, like he was about to finish the match, and like it could have ended that close and blah blah blah. And you wouldn't have been able to tell because they sped right by it, mm -hmm. and they just started going in a whole bunch of moves, and, and it revealed to me. One thing that frustrates the hell out of me with this company and their matches, because they do it one of two ways. It's either David Letterman on the Merritt Parkway going 135 miles an hour, or it's Grandma on the freeway in the left lane going 30. And everyone's behind them honking the horns, hoping that they speed this shit up, and they don't want to speed it up. Either that, or everyone's going 100 miles an hour, and you can't follow any of the moves or the meaning behind them. This match... So literally started in, it felt like this match started in the middle of the match you know what i mean yeah it went it literally was just like oh tons of spots the new day doing their best young bucks impression like they they immediately just went straight to the races uh, guns blazing 100 miles per hour within a split second of the match starting and i was like okay can we like build up to anything here this was, uh, no, this, the New Day, we're, we're paying homage to the Young Bucks by, like, let's do as little tag team as action. Honestly, I thought the New Day looked pretty bad in this match. The Hurt Business looked awesome. 
The her business is one of the best things in WWE right now. Agreed. I mean, with MVP, the way they were, they were doing great work. They were cutting off the ring. They were doing good tag stuff. Mm -hmm. They were getting good tags up until the very end, which we'll talk about in a second. I did think it was funny when uh, Shelton Benjamin had Kofi Kingston on his shoulders and he almost dropped him and he was just like, oh, oh. And Kofi was like, all right, Cedric, can you hurry up a little bit? I don't think Shelton can hold me any longer. Just so sh just so Cedric could miss. I did think that was funny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was, uh... <laughs> I like the... I liked MVP just like when Cedric got hit as, as, as this whole 100 mile an hour thing. MVP just like pops up in a water bottle. It's like, here, have some water, man. It's like... <laughs> Like, that's the kind of manager you want. Yes. The guy who pops out a water bottle is like, nah, have some high, you know, get some water. But yeah, like, this match, was, this match was just a bunch of high spots with more teamwork towards the Hurt Locker side. And at the end, they had... Hurt Business. This is yeah. not Jeremy oh, yeah. Renner doing a bomb movie in Iraq. Okay, all right. I, I, for some reason, like, Bobby Lashley's finishing move has a similar name to the tag team, which makes sense, but it also messes my brain up. The Hurt Business, Fair. excuse me. Um, so, Sheldon Benjamin is about to win the match, and for some reason they are already teasing dissension amongst the ranks. Way too early. Way, way too, too early. early. And then Cedric uh, hits the lumbar check and wins the match. I will say I like that the Hurt Business has a bunch of championships on them. It makes them feel like a more intimidating unit that actually wins stuff. Although, are they baby faces or are they heels? I have no idea. Uh, if, if this match were anything to go by, they were heels. But weren't they just baby faces against Retribution? But uh, hey, you better stop with that continuity stuff, man. You're gonna. I need a foghorn every time that you start to add some logic. I'm just go. Bah! I that that I I actually feel like they do that in meetings where they plan out these shows. Anytime yeah. someone makes a little bit of sense, they're like, stop that! Demotion! There's no place for that here. It's like that meme where the guy gets thrown out the window. Yes, for making too much it's, sense. Yes, it's the, uh, it's just all of that. But, you know, it started out fast, it had to be a big spot fest until Hurt Business slowed it down. Yes. And then the, and then the hot tech, the Kofi went well. It did go a little long after that. And then, I, I, you know me, I'm not a big fan of backslap tags and they both did it but only once did both do it at least with the Hurt Businesses one it made sense in the context of what they were trying to do but I don't like the fact they're teasing dissension this early let them ride high with these tag belts yes it's like it's yeah it's just it's not the time for dissension this would have been much better as a definitive win but why are uh, you doing this right when the Hurt Business has a bunch of gold let them have it for a while yeah, yeah, it just it didn't make any sense to do the dissension stuff now. There was God, the booking on the show didn't mean sucked. anything at the end of the match anyway. So decent match, awful booking. The story of the show. Yeah, yeah, the match was good. Uh, uh, let me rephrase that. Cedric and Shelton were good. The New Day, I was real disappointed in because they were just being the, some colorful young bucks. Oh wait, that's the young bucks. Uh, they were just being the young bucks, and then the finish was kind of dumb because it's just the wrong time for it. Yeah. What do you think, Grammar Note Sky? All right, going back over to this. The New Day versus the Hurt Business for the Raw Tag Team Championships. 
And in big, bold letters, he writes, Black on Black Violence Part 2, Double the Black, Double the Violence. <laughs> I just want to go on record to remind everyone that these are his words. These are Skyler's Oh, my words. God. So, <sighs> this is, uh, the disclaimer is in the description. Yes, I, can, I agree, Skylar. This was the hood part of the show, but... <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> no punches pulled here, ladies and gentlemen. No, you thought you were you thought you were listening to family friendly, classy entertainment. You were wrong. No, sir. Uh, now I thought I now I now that I have brought down the class of this show. What class are you talking about, Skylar? This match was good. Shine the Baby Faces was good by The New Day. I disagree. And I love their offense. I disagree. Shelton Benjamin is a great veteran hand who can lead a match. I agree. And Alexander, as the young high flyer, has great ability. Uh, That's very obvious. Uh, When Kofi got caught by Shelton Benjamin on the boom drop, it was in an electric chair position while Andrew was... Man, my brain is going. Uh, While Alexander was about to come off the top rope, it was not the smoothest transition. That's putting it very mildly. Uh, You could clearly see Kofi motioning towards Alexander to hurry up and jump off because Shelton could not hold Kofi much longer. (laughs) It is a small detail. While I like Kofi's awareness, it gave it away. That was an otherwise an amazing sequence. It had a lot of collaboration to make it work. I wouldn't say amazing sequence. The finishing sequence was good, but I do not like teasing Alexander being selfish. Either way... Uh, it works fine, and hey, MVP in the Hurt Business, besides Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton, has been the best thing on Raw this year and totally deserve all the championship gold. Also, Prime Alexander sounds like a great gimmick name for Cedric. I think that Skyler was drinking a little bit of Carmella's wine when he wrote that, but alright. He's uh, been chugging a little bit too much of the nog. Prime Alexander, that sounds terrible. But we also I, uh, we just got we just got over Shorty G, so the sky's the limit, I guess. Hey, I made Shorty G work. You gave me a challenge. Speaking of going back to my thing, Shorty G was a very possible gimmick. WWE just doesn't know how to handle what they got. They don't. Ha- they don't know how to handle good gimmicks. Yeah, yeah. As well, we'll see with and, the main event. And speaking with uh, and speaking of uh, some things that end up being bad. One thing I do appreciate, speaking of, uh, just to touch on the commentary a little bit, I like Samoa Joe's effort to add energy to the commentary table, but he does it at times that don't need that kind of excitement. And he also, he also just all the time drops the most obvious, like, no, no kidding, like, sound bites all the time, where I'm like, he just points out something that's incredibly obvious, and I'm just like, Samoa Joe... Stop. I'm not blind, but... He's, I mean, in all fairness, they, they treat all of their fans like their children anyway, but Joe is like the least defender of, of most of them. I think that he just tries a little too hard, but he, do, he does... He's probably the most palatable of any commentator they've got. At least he knows what a powerbomb is, and at least he knows what a ladder is, but we'll get to that later. Yes, we will. Um, up next uh, was the Sammy Award segment. Okay, 
Most of the time, WWE's references to pop culture and humor in general is absolutely appalling and it makes you want to rip your eyes out and eat them. The Sammy Award segment where they spoofed Tom Cruise was genuinely hilarious, specifically because it was Sami Zayn. I very much appreciated that. I, Sammy might be one of the most entertaining people WWE's got right now. Pound for pound. Although, if I were writing it, I would have put in uh, Sammy, like, I would have put in some re- some references to the Christian Bale meltdown, where it was like, oh, what wh- what are you over there doing? Oh, I just thought that that would have been funny to write in. Oh, good for you! And how was it? Just something like that. That would have well, that would have entertained the crap out of me, but I can't imagine that Vince McMahon even knows who Christian Bale is. You, you got a point there. Let alone, let alone anything that has to do with Batman or or anything yeah. involving celebrities that are not shown to him in his uh, in his seat. And uh, as we get into this next match, I would wait, like wait, to before before that, uh, Skyler does have an opinion on the Sammy Award segment. Uh, oh, okay. Oh, and he addresses okay. you specifically. Sean, my guy, you need an outfit like the one Big E has because, damn, you look good in that white shirt, black suspender, and red tie and belt combo. Maybe you could dress up for the CMP award show? Also, if anyone could pull off a Tom Cruise parody of Getting Angry, it would be Sami Zayn. Kayla giving Sami crap about the leaked audio was good stuff after she got burned by Paul Heyman earlier on. So he, he issued you a challenge to, to dress up in, like, a suit like Sami Zayn did. Well, first of all, it's not going to be a live stream. So there will be no suiting up. Second of all, I just beggared him Biggie anyway. Third of all, I'm glad he brought up Biggie's attire because this is a point I wanted to make at the pre-show. I would like to see Biggie wear something else. I think the really fruity colored uh, singlet just does not match him anymore. It's the same thing like when Kofi was WWE champion where he was still acting goofy, throwing pancakes, and you just couldn't take him seriously. Yeah. The only time I ever liked pancake hucking was when they did it to Jinder Mahal at yes, the Rumble. That was funny. That was funny. That was hysterical. After that, just like the pancakes, it got real stale real fast. Yes. <laughs> I see what you did there. But anyway, and, uh, moving on, our next match, we had Asuka and a mystery opponent versus Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler for the WWE Women's Tag Team Titles. Not gonna lie, during the majority of this, I was having some uh, issues with my laptop, and the the issues with my laptop were more... I was more invested in my laptop than this match. Well, you didn't miss much, my friend. Uh, and the reason I'm... for that, there are many reasons for that. A... I do not care about Asuka. B, I do not care about Charlotte. C, I do not care about Nia Jax. D, like the same issue Skyler had with the Carmella-Sasha Banks match where he didn't care about either wrestler, so it was hard for him to get into it. I didn't care about any of these people, so I was just like, it was like watching images move on a screen. I didn't care. Well, of all the matches that I have on my notes, this is the one I wrote the least for. Yeah. There was nothing to it. It was, it was just there. It was fine. 
And also, speaking of the horrible booking and the horrible logic in this company, this was the culmination of the Lana storyline. They spent all that time having Nia Jax put Lana through so many tables, just beating her up, to have Lana have that small victory at Survivor Series, and then have Lana beat Nia Jax a few times. You would think that it would set up for Lana putting Nia Jax through a table to win the tag team titles. No. It led to Lana getting hurt to where she's not even involved in the storyline anymore, so Charlotte swoops in and wins the tag team titles. So what was the point of all the stuff with Lana for months? There was no point. Well, because Miro went to AEW. That was the point. Was the whole was the whole thing just to bury Lana for that? Suffer. <laughs> Would you put it past him? No. I mean, it makes sense, but it doesn't make for good television. Although Nia Jax putting Lana through a table over and over and over and over is absolutely hilarious. I think how that woman is still walking after nine consecutive weeks of tables was amazing to me. So I have some notes. I have some. I'm going to air out some grievances here. Number one, I wish we could have replaced Oscar too. <laughs> Here's why: for someone so prominently in the women's title picture, she has probably been the least important women's wrestler on this roster. You forgot she was champion. I did forget. I actually completely forgot she was Raw Women's Champion heading into this match because her entire time, she's... Let's start... Let's look at Asuka from WrestleMania on. Barely was on WrestleMania. Did she even have a match? She was... It was her her and Kyrie Sane against Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss for the tag team titles. I don't know how I remember that. And that was when we had the worst crowd pandering of all time. Yep. It was absolutely terrible. That's how it started. Let's start there. After that. Then, Becky Lynch announces, I'm going to have my baby. And she decides that she's going to give it to Oscar. So Oscar just takes the belt. Then she I th- she defends against, I forget which one of them. Uh, Sasha or Bailey. But she spends the next four or five months in Matt against Sasha Banks and Bailey, where she's not even the focal point because the whole point is the feud and family feud between Sasha Banks and Bailey, where she was in two title matches. She was in a Raw Women's Championship match and a SmackDown Women's Championship match on the same night, and she was not the focal point of either match. Even though she won one, she's had the Raw she's had multiple women's championships, all the entire time of this year, and yet she feels less valuable now than she did when the when this year started. She, because it's oversaturation. Her, her, honestly, her wrestling has regressed, and she has been so typecast into the typical overly animated, screeching Japanese woman that any character or personality she had is out the window because they turned her into a goof. You are absolute. That is one hundred percent accurate. Especially the idea that she is an afterthought, even though she is the champion. Why does this? Why does this company put a belt on someone and just do nothing with them? They do the same thing with Drew McIntyre, except at least Drew's a good wrestler, and even though they don't place him well on the card, he does win most of the time, and he's presented as credible. But still, like he's he he is not placed well on the card. 
Asuka is irrelevant, even though she's the champion. Just why do, Why are they obsessed with making their champions look bad? Uh, well, because they, they're more... I think they're more obsessed with making sure that nobody gets over. Because they'd rather have people under and want to come see WWE, the brand, rather than everyone wanting to come to WWE to see the wrestler. That so sounds like a model for failure. Because they... Because... Vince McMahon now has huge insecurity issues because oh, Hogan left me, Dwayne left me, John Cena left me. Now nobody's ever leaving me again before I kill him. I'll <laughs> never let anyone get popular again. It's it's literally it's. I believe that I believe that deep down, Vince McMahon is still hurt by Brett leaving for WCW. I, I truly believe that. I believe that Vince McMahon has repressed every emotion he's ever felt ever. And so it's just led to this moment. And one day he's going to go to a therapist and he's just going to cry for like 15 hours and die. No, and he's going to go to a therapist and in 10 minutes the therapist he went to is going to seek another realm of employment. <laughs> She's going to take 10 minutes of Vince and then the therapist is going to call for a therapist. <laughs> yes, just a never-ending chain of therapists <laughs> calling their therapists. Vince McMahon just takes up every therapist in America. The entire system, the entire line of work is just completely destroyed. It's like that SpongeBob thing of a never-ending chain of mailmen delivering mail to other mailmen. <laughs> <laughs> it just sets off a never-ending chain and no one ever gets therapy again because all of the therapists are woefully depressed. See, see what you started, Oscar. This is Oscar's fault. Yes, this is Oscar's fault. So, also, again, great. as I mentioned earlier, this before Charlotte comes out, Todd's like, "Did Oscar get a partner?" Question mark. I'm going to glare at the TV so the audience will answer. I don't know. Even though that question was already answered in a promo that he clearly didn't watch, I don't blame him because it sucked. But still, makes yeah. it insults my intelligence, and that's why I get annoyed. So Charlotte comes out. Speaking of Botox, Charlotte comes out. Honestly, I thought that she thinned her face out a little bit. It's I still noticeable. It's still noticeable. Still noticeable. She did get some work done, but here's the thing I noticed. And the thing that I... And speaking of things that suck, I want to get this through your brains for anyone who thinks that being an imitation toy company that involves wrestlers is cool. Velcro belts will never not suck. They will always be the absolute worst. Just put some snaps on it, for God's sakes. How much could a snap, ten snaps made out of brass, possibly cost? Two dollars? That you're selling a belt for five ninety nine for? Oh, that is gross. Wait, do you mean $5.99 or $500? I'm talking about the replica belts that they sell for like four ninety nine, five ninety nine. Who in their right mind is paying that for fucking Velcro? Just put some snaps. If you don't even, if you don't want to do it for your replicas, fine. Do it for the ones you put on TV. For God's sakes, you're a wrestling company for crying out loud. Have some belts that look respectable. No, they're not, Sean. They're a company that puts smiles on faces. They're a toy company disguised as wrestlers. 
They're a company that puts smiles on faces and burns people alive. Well, it's it's Vince McMahon wanting to be the Walt Disney Wrestling, and he's got it right down to the Nazi T. I mean, <laughs> 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 I, I kid, I kid, I. I I accused, but I did not have any evidence to support that fact. Uh, uh, it sounds accurate to me, but whatever. Um, but, also, I know how much you hate Charlotte's um, natural selection finishing move, which it uh, did. It did look awful tonight. Uh, Her Uranagi backbreaker is the worst thing I have ever seen in my life. Her Uranagi backbreaker, like where she gets them under the arm and trips them. Awkwardly, she has to bend them onto her knee. It's so awkward looking. It never looks good, and then she just trips them. Just trip them, forget the backbreaker, it never looks good. It's always awful. Charlotte's ring rust kind of showed in this match. She's been doing that move for years, and it always looks terrible, and it just it stood out like the sun blinding me for some well, reason on this show. That backbreaker I, has got to go. And I think a big part of that was that her ring rust really showed in this match. I mean, her comeback was blah. Uh, it's funny how Shayna versus Asuka in NXT, we were like creaming our pants for that. Mm -hmm. And now here we are on the main roster in 2020, and we're like, I don't want to see either of these people. I could not care less. What a travesty it is for Shayna Baszler. It's the, it's the, main, event, it's the main roster curse. Do not but go then, to the main roster. But then here's the ridiculous thing, right? So, they do this thing for Charlotte where they're like, could be anybody, and then Charlotte's music played, and where the spot where there was normally a pop, there was like a, eh, by Kevin Dunn, and I was like, you have, you have countless Stone Cold Steve Austin pop, and Hulk Hogan pops, and Jello Puddin' pops, all in catering, I assume, all over the place. You have pops in your archives from everyone and you couldn't pull any of those out to make a return pop happen well you could put this is awesome into his match you could put thank you taker into, <laughs> into a retirement ceremony but you can't find one measly pop to do for a return that of somebody from nine months ago apparently not it's this is what i, I don't get it it's like and the One production do, and booking Shana of the show now, sucks. Yeah. Shayna now, all her st all her stomps and her punches look softer. Yeah. She looks like she's pulling back, so she just looks bad. I will say what... You know who I thought actually looked halfway decent in this match just because she knows how to work her size? Nia Jax. Nia Jax. If, uh, if she didn't hurt people all the time, she'd be halfway decent. I'm not saying that she's going to be pulling a Steamboat Savage, but for the fact that she knows how to... If she were safer, I think for the fact that she really is different, if she didn't have her cutting Be A Star promos against the heel Alexa Bliss that got booed, she would be, I think, regarded much better than she currently is. Ladies and gentlemen, again, despite some of the things we say on this show for jokes... 100% serious, we're not sexist. When we say this, we, we mean this like as in like the way the company uses them. The WWE women's division is garbage. It's shallow, 
there are hardly any decent workers. It's uninteresting. It's rehash. It sucks. Their, their men's division is okay. You gotta remember, the thing about the women's division is that it's only been around for five years since Stephanie McMahon created women's wrestling. Oh yeah, you're right, you're right. She <laughs> invented it. She invented all of women's sports. That's right, that's right. Trailblazer. She's so a trailblazer. You know, they're still coming. <laughs> I can't even finish this with a straight face. The women's division in this company is atrocious. Full Bad. stop. They just there's no one there's no real investment in it. They had something with Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey, and then ever since it has just fallen off a cliff. And guess who's not in the division anymore? Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch. And you know who would have thought that in a match that involved Shayna Bay? If you had said two years ago that a match involving Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax, Oscar, and Charlotte, that Nia Jax would be the most impressive looking of the bunch, you would have punched me in the face. I would have asked you what drugs are you taking, and can I have some? But here we are in 2020, and that's honestly how I regarded this match. And then, Jesus. in the same way that they do with Eddie Guerrero and Sasha Banks, look who's here. It's Rick freaking Flair. Staring awkwardly at an angle at the TV, because no one in this company can look natural for five seconds. If you want Charlotte to have her own identity, stop mentioning Rick. And bringing him around all the time. It was one thing when he was her manager. But at this point, just stop. But Sean, they won't know who she is if they don't. Just please, stop. And whose fault is that, WWE, that no one knows who anybody is? Because the way you book people sucks. It's It was bad. And Charlotte, Charlotte did a moonsault that they didn't catch her for, considering Nia Jax's size and Shana Baszler's there. I think that might be more Charlotte's fault because she kind of over... She, she, like, rotates a little too much on her moonsaults, where she lands on her feet all the time. Yeah. So... Yeah, she's... I mean, it's yeah, impressive, lo- it's impressive looking. It's impressive looking, but it's not dangerous and deadly looking, which it they sh- which is what I assume they should be going for. Well... And not to mention, she does it in every single match. So yep. it's like, what's the point anymore? Yep. So, but I thought the thing that cracked me up more than anything else, which was like the title, like the cherry on top of the overall point I was making with Asuka, was the very end. Natural selection, one, two, three. And they're like, ladies and gentlemen, you're new tag team champions. You're Robin champion, Asuka, and Charlotte. <laughs> And did anyone else notice that Asuka accidentally got her two belts stuck together? Oh, God. It was just between the complete speed by of saying Asuka's name and making sure that Charlotte was the big star. Charlotte won the Grand Slam. And they always zoomed the camera in on Charlotte. Yep. The only time you saw Asuka was when they panned out to see both of them. Asuka was completely meaningless in this whole thing. You know what? I think the the Raw Women's Championship has just been vacant ever since Becky Lynch left. I at this point, at this point, they ought to just consolidate it and let it and let it go because they really do not have a women's division, a solid enough women's division on either brand to make it worth having two belts. In 2016, before the brand split, the division was already very shallow. 
And like I said, it's too shallow to split. But what did they do? They split it, and here we are. They split it when they only had six women on each brand. Yep. So, yep. That was uh, that was what they did, and and here we are. All right. And then so. they did some sort of Braun Strowman 2020 CGI BS. We'll get to that. We'll get to I, that. Uh, Skyler's notes for this match. Asuka and question mark versus Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship. If, hold on, before you continue, for those NWA fans out there, if only it were the question mark, because the question mark got more over than anything else last year. <laughs> so, changed my mind. So, Lana is down and out thanks to the pain train. Nia, Nia Jax and Shayna, and no, that isn't their team name, but it should be. Who cares? Who cares what their team name is? So who takes her place? The Queen Charlotte Flair. Please don't call her that. Uh, because, of course, it must be Charlotte Flair, and who else could it have been? Man, I have missed her. So did the ref, too, because we got the ro- got the, he got the ropes open for her to get through, and it helped take off her robe like a stooge. Uh, this was a decent tag match, although this was all clearly a showcase match for Charlotte, who immediately made her mark in the match. It is noticeably clear how badly the women's division needed a wrestler like her because she all, she alone all, she alone has this is not the most well written thing I've ever seen uh, because she alone has more star power than everyone on the roster put together the women's roster I hope that's what you're saying and if that's the case I really don't care about the women's division so I'm not gonna argue. Uh, Charlotte winning this match was natural selection. Sorry, Sean. <laughs> and the tag titles. Everybody knows I hate that. It looks Everybody ta- knows I hate that. It, it is it is devolving. Like you say, Asuka's devolving. That move in particular is just devolving. Because I, rem- yeah. I remember she used to hit it and it actually looked decent, but it's just devolving. And the tag titles now with uh, double champion Asuka's great and all, but this is the queen we're talking about. And would you all know the queen does not play well with others, so we should probably start the countdown on Asuka's raw title reign because it's only a matter of time. Woo. We should also probably start the countdown on how long it takes for WWE to run Charlotte down our throats and us wishing she were gone for six months again. My guess is two weeks. Sounds pretty accurate. Uh, yeah, I, I, got no, I got no offense against that. WWE Superstars and Hero Animation 2021 beating up Monster Animation 2020 segment. I would like to apologize to Billy Kay about her cringe segment earlier because this is real cringe. I agree. Cringe. Like, this is again WWE's terrible attempt to. We, we, even though we're run by a bunch of old people who clearly just need to go to a home, we can relate to the youngins out there. We're hip with those Zoomers. We can speak their language. That's what this was. It was Braun Strowman voicing 2020. It, that, it was. So that's why. That explains why it sucked. Um, That's why it was large, brown, and filthy. <laughs> this was just awkward. It was, it, it was bad. Whenever WWE tries to relate to the young audience, it is so painful to sit through. It is who, so painful. I want to know who got who conceptualized this idea. Because that person should be fired. That person should be shot. That person should be buried underneath the prison. That person should be fed to mutant ninja turtles next to a pizza with a giant mental rat. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's right. 
All right, so up next, uh, Sami Zayn, Big E, and R-Truth segment. Uh, at least we did not get any 24-7 title bullshit with R-Truth. I will, uh, agreed. We did not get anything with the 24-7 title. I don't know why that belt's still a thing. Uh, also, Sammy, I would not keep talking about being the Intercontinental Champion for much longer, because when Big E has his eyes set on gold, it is going to end up around his waist quick, and that is a thick waist. Sami Zayn has the single worst shirt in WWE history, hashtag facts. Also, did you guys notice Sami Zayn appeared a lot on the show, and the segments felt like they were pre-recorded before the eight-man tag match on the show? You could tell because they were made... They... The way they were made never referenced Big E pinning Sammy in the eight-man tag, which shows how thrown together that eight-man tag... It shows how thrown together the show was in every WWE show. Yep. And up next, we had, honestly, either this or the, main, or the first match, what should have been the main event of the show, Roman Reigns defending the Universal Championship against Kevin Owens for the Universal Championship, tables, ladders, and chairs. Sean, what did you think of this match? don't know which TLC match I liked more but I do agree that this was a really good match it's well what I really want for Christmas is Kevin Owens to get a tan <laughs> he's I just I like him and I've always had an issue with his in-ring attire I would love for him to wear something else in the same way that I'd like Big E to wear something else maybe just swap I'd like <laughs> I'd like to see Big E in a tank top and shorts and you know what? If you get a Kevin Owens Christmas wish, if you get a Kevin Owens Christmas wish, I get one. Stop using the stunner. Yeah, it's not good. Go back to the pop-up power bomb, or the, and, as uh, Michael Cole would call it, the pop-up spinebuster. And uh, oh yeah, God, Cole was so bad in this matchup. He's been doing I mean, this for over twenty years, and not only does he still keep messing move names up. He messed up a move name and the object the move was performed on. Yeah, I was like, come on, man. It's, it's like, well, it's like Tom Phillips. I didn't mention this in the match before where Oscar got a roll-up on Shayna Baszler. It's like, uh, and there was a roll. He's like, roll-up by Oscar, Cover by Oscar, Kick out by uh, Oscar. I didn't notice that. <laughs> So it's uh, it's all of them. It's just it's the commentary, and you'd think that it was Cole's first day on the job. You would think. Given... Every time you hear him, you think, "Is this his first day on the job?" No, yeah. it's his like what he started in '97. It's his twenty-third uh, year on the job. Uh, yeah, sad. And uh, something occurred to me here in the beginning of this matchup. So I don't know how familiar you are. Mr. Geddon, with what Sting's been doing in AEW lately. I am not. I have not watched AEW since COVID started. So basically, all that AEW has done with Sting since they got him is they turn down the lights, they throw in some fake snow, He sh the lights turn into like a black light, he walks down to the ring, he stares at people for a little bit, and leaves. That's it. Okay. And then... 
a row where he said very little. He just kind of stood around and literally the lights would go out, the snow would come on, he'd walk around, he'd stare at people in the ring and leave. It's like Lacey Evans, but Sting. So this for The sassy Southern Belle Sting. But you have to imagine that Sting is being paid millions of dollars by Tony Khan to just stand around and stare at people. Well, the reason I'm saying this is that I was watching I was watching Paul Heyman during this matchup, during this entrance with Roman Reigns, and all it is is just it's just Paul Heyman staring up at Roman Reigns and up at the Universal title, and it makes me think that there are people in wrestling getting paid good money to just stand around and stare at shit. Yep. What a, what a career. I know, right? What a life. Some easy money. <laughs> It's like, all right, all we want you to do is walk up there, stare at some stuff, and here's two hundred fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> Shit, <laughs> uh, I'll do it. <laughs> it's like, so. I need to sign up to be like a valet or something. Just stand around, and do nothing, and get paid. That's that sounds like a good gig. That's something. That's something. And speaking of good gigs, this hot start with Kevin Owens coming in during that entrance. That. Is how you start a TLC Yes, match. I very much liked the beginning of this match. Also, you had, you know Jey Uso's going to help Roman Reigns. And he doesn't wait till the, like, the halfway point of the match because they have to do moves before you can have the bad guy have his helper interfere. He's got to so come stupid. at the right time. That's so stupid. I'm glad he just immediately came in. Because Smart. that actually makes sense. You can't get disqualified. You can do what you want. So just go ahead and go down there. Your guy's losing. Well, and if this were a legitimate fight, it's not like your boys are just going to sit around the outside if they're going to play dirty. They're just No, they're going to show up when they show up. Although at yeah. the same time, we already had a TLC match with a bunch of interference. So it did, it did make it a little more repetitive in this match. But I think it was done better in this match because they didn't well, uh, wait till the match was yeah. halfway over. Agreed. And one thing I will give, uh, I, you know, I kind of complained that they had in-ring title intros for AJ and Drew at the beginning, but I'm glad they didn't start hot because it made it better now. Yeah. And it made more sense to do it later in the show. So I understand why they did it, and it makes more sense why they did it. And then uh, Roman Reigns takes the Triple H stairs bump. Yep. Yeah, every match Roman Reigns is in, he does that. I, I noticed that in this match. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> That's why uh, people were so bored of uh, WrestleMania 32 with Roman Reigns and Triple H because they both did it and then there were no more stairs to boom. But instead of Big Show and Eric Rowan having a stairs match, it should have been Roman Reigns and Triple H having a stairs match. <laughs> and it's just them running in and seeing who can take the bump better. <laughs> an Iron Man match where the only way to get a point is to throw your opponent into the steel steps. It's like, it's like those are the competitions, like the bodybuilding competitions Triple H had with Scott Steiner in 2003. It's like, oh, I can take this bump better than you can, Robert. <laughs> they both love that bump. <laughs> oh, God. We can make this happen. 2021, it's still possible. But yeah, this was a really good match. And again, there was the aforementioned... Uh, Spinebuster on a table that never happened in this match. I, I, he must have been watching a different match. But, um... Yes. It was very clearly a spear on a steel chair. Y yes, yes. I, how, how could I? It was a suplex on the steel steps. Um, so... And I will say, some people have complained that it's weird that Drew McIntyre and Kevin Owens getting 
double, quadruple, whatever teamed, and they had no friends come out to help them. For Drew, I can kind of see that because him and Sheamus, haven't they been kind of buddy-buddy? I don't, I don't watch the show. But for Kevin Owens, it makes sense because Kevin Owens backstabs people all the time. So yeah. it made sense for him to have no friends in this match, even though it's, it's weird. It's weird having a babyface that doesn't have friends, but whatever. Well, no babyfaces have friends anymore. Only the heels are. are can you imagine how miserable? Can you imagine how miserable it must be to be a babyface in WWE? I'm, I'm shy. I have no doubt about that. And then you get beat up all the time, and you have no friends, and you rarely win. Oh yeah, and don't have a hometown. Yeah, don't do Trust not me. have a hometown. You will bad call. Miss the show. Don't show up for work if you if you, you will go to your right. hometown. Yep, just be from parts unknown. You can't lose in parts unknown. Because <laughs> you never go in there. So then they do the pilmanizing of Jey Uso's foot, which he doesn't sell. Mm -hmm. And it once again reinforces another gimmick that has lost its luster in pilmanizing anything. Yep. Because they've done that a jillion times this year. Remember how many times you saw that in Bailey and Sasha Banks? Yep. And they sold it none. So we could pretty much just leave that in the past because that means nothing. Then Reigns did probably the best looking drive by he ever did because he had to that get drive by. That drive by. I I actually rewound that because that was so good. Yeah. People no, sl was... people sleep on Roman Reigns' athletic ability. That dude can move. Well, when he does it normally, it's not that impressive because he's not getting that high off the ground. But that one, he doubled his height on that. Roman, every time you do this move, do it near the beginning of the match where you still have some gas in your tank and just see how high you can get. Yeah, that was that was wicked impressive. Uh, they both sell very well. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing I wish they would stop doing, Kevin Dunn, I know that you've got big teeth, but can you please stop with the close-up shots of Roman Reigns' face just so you can look at his? Happened so many times this match. They, were so, they, they do not do close-up shots of any other wrestler like that. But that's because Roman Reigns is so hot, yo. It's because Bucky Beaver likes seeing other people with teeth. That's what it is. And uh, speaking of Kevin Dunn, one glaring issue with this match, the crowd noise was cranked up all the way. As loud as they could possibly get it the entire match. You could... This is a negative and a positive. You could not hear the announcers. Which is good because you couldn't hear the announcers. But it's also bad because you can't hear the announcers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, not that I really wanted to hear any of Cole and Corey in this match at all, because I did not. Yeah, like, but, turn it down. <laughs> like, my I realized, God. I realized with this, too, because as I was trying not to listen to Kevin Dunn's crap and seeing all of his teeth shots, one thing that I don't like about TLC matches, and Kevin Owens did this a couple times, but he's not the only one who's guilty of this, when someone grabs a leg while you're on the ladder and then you just walk back down the ladder... Yeah, so just kick them off. Fight them. Yeah, or have them be pulled off. Yeah, just yank. If you're trying to keep it, like, the walk back down the ladder didn't make 
make any sense. And Owens did it a couple times here, but it's not just him. Yeah, everyone does. You know, a lot of people do it. it, it so I'm not I'm not even knocking Owens specifically for that. They uh, they do have. I am finding that I'm going to have to make a WWE pay per view bingo because there's certain things that they do on every single show that I'm not going to have to just check off, make sure it get, it makes the list. The one they did this time was the announce table spot. Because there's always an announce table spot on every pay-per-view they do. Yep. All the time. Yep. Then, of course, another one, uh, the, the cliche of somebody saying, oh, what do I have to do? Yep. Uh, and then they do a barricade spot, something that has been increasingly popular with WWE nowadays. If you made a WWE drinking game for stuff like this, you would die. I'd be, I'd be pretty drunk. If you did really a drunk. drinking game where you just drank water, you would drown. Yeah. Yeah. This is, uh, and then another thing that took me out of the moment, that Roman Reigns did that Samoan drop on the outside onto the table, and that table was so clean cut. I was like, oh, come on. It was like it was perfectly cut in half. Yeah, not not any crumble or anything like that. It just just snapped like a piece of bread. And yet somehow Roman Reigns at the end of this match still got Bob Holly. And I don't know how. Do you know what I mean by Bob Holly? Um not sure. Where he got the uh where it got cut across the back. By oh. a table or, or, or something, and had like a line of blood down his back. Well, he did. Like he, he did get a pop-up power bomb through a, a table. Oh, I mean, a, he got a spinebuster through a ladder. So that must have been it. That's right. Oh, of course, of course. So that that was that probably must have been it. But I did see that that he did get the Bob Holly cut. Not as bad as Bob Holly, but he did get the Bob Holly cut. And then I had a revelation. You would think. That with an audience that has increasingly short attention spans, that instead of shortening your continuity, you would just shorten the length of the matches. Oh no! Why does everything have to go half an hour? Because Why? I mean, because Sean, long match equals good match. No, shut up, Meltzer. <laughs> shut up. I didn't say anything about the Tokyo Dome, but long match what? equals good match. But this just, my thing, and this is wrestling in general, everything goes for eternity. The, again, this was another match. I thought it was by and large good. It just went forever. <laughs> you know, they tried, they kept it engaging, you know, as, as a main event. It would have been great for a 25-minute match as a main event. But it wasn't even a main event. Oh, God, don't remind me. And it's a TLC, which is the pay-per-view that it's named after. Why wasn't and this was the show closer? Event. I get it, because in the next match, they set a dude on fire and turned him into embers. But that's retarded. Why was that? I hate this company. It, it makes no sense. It just, again, just further proving that it's all just, it's all just gravy. It's a clown show. It's a clown show. Oh, oh no, it's not a clown show yet. It's going to be a clown show in about five minutes here. Oh, I don't even... <laughs> Before we get into that travesty, let's think. Let's see what Skyler thought about this match. All right. Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens for the Universal Championship TLC. 
So the best well-told story feud and a world title match is not going to main event TLC FU Events 3. I very much agree with that. Although I don't know if I would say the best well-told story. All it is is just Roman Reigns and Jey Uso beating up Kevin Owens over and over and over and over again from what I've seen. But whatever. Uh, agree to disagree. It's nice to see champion versus champion as World Wrestling Entertainment's universal champion Roman Reigns and NWL's world champion Kevin Owens go at it. Hashtag cheap plug. Hey, it, it, Go and like my show, ladies and gentlemen. I didn't think you'd put this many references in it. Uh, I like their hot start selling how personal this feud is between the two family men. Does not take long for Jey Uso to get involved and for Kevin Owens to absolutely destroy him and his leg, apparently, until Jey Uso just hobbles back down to the ring. And well, that He hobbles back down to the ring minus the hobbling. Um, this match has a more violent feeling to it than Styles and McIntyre which it should, given how this feud has grown so personal between Owens and Reigns. I am not sure how I feel about Jey Uso being as involved as he was in this match. I agree, there was way too much interference. Uh, I like him and his work recently, but I would also like to see Roman do his stuff on his own. But then, it is heelish, so to have a help in the match like this, I understand. Owens' stunner looked better here because Roman sold it better than the other mooks on Team Raw sold them at Survivor Series. Mooks, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know if I agree with that. I just hate that he does the stunner. It doesn't help that it's an air. It doesn't help that the the stunner looks bad. I just hate that he does the stunner in general. Uh, it, it looks bad because he's doing it in shorts. Yes, and because the his, his like the head positioning with his arms always looks weird. It's never on the shoulder, but whatever. Um, and he has no tan or muscle definition in his arms either. So yep. Um, at least he didn't jump high into the air with. Matt Riddle jumping as high as he could and landing on his knees like the the, the I, again the stunner Kevin Owens gave Matt Riddle at Survivor Series was the most cartoonish looking stunner I've ever seen. Ridiculous. I liked Michael Cole had more motion in this match cheering for Kevin Owens to beat Roman, even if he did call a spinebuster through a table when Roman Reigns did a power bomb on a ladder. I like how everyone noticed that and is making fun of Michael Cole for it. I just love that. It's I, worth it. I noticed a subtle reference to The Rock when Roman did a standing rock bottom to Owens through a table. After Roman put Owens through a table... Uh, that was a choke slam. Uh, that was not a rock bottom. That was a choke slam. Uh, after Roman put Owens through a couple more tables along ringside, Owens would not stay down, and Roman Reigns destroyed him for his defiance by spearing him through another table set up in the corner, and that obliterated the table. That was a pretty nasty-looking spear. And I love the way Owens sold it by just sitting, de sitting up dead. Yeah, I loved that. That I was awesome. That. that whole sequence was great. Was really good. But Owens will not stop. He keeps on trucking. Roman Reigns did not hold back when he speared the barricade. I noticed that Roman Reigns was bleeding on his forearm and from cuts on his back, which really helped uh, give the match some much-needed color. Owens gets a couple of shots to grab the title when Jay or Roman keeps stopping him. Finally, a dick punch by Roman Reigns ends it, and the Tribal Chief stays on top of the mountain. Great match overall, and it is a rare WWE match where both guys really get over, and the loser does not feel like a, lo a loser. I don't know if I agree with that because he keeps getting beat up by the same guys week after week, but whatever. Owens is a believable. Owens is believable as a main event level babyface, and Roman keeps uh, his status as heel of uh, as head of the table. I would not mind if these guys kept feuding and keep going to the Rumble, since Roman Reigns not only uh, wins does he not only keep the Universal Title. But he also gets to either have sex... <laughs> okay. Since he beat Kevin Owens for the title, he all he either gets to have sex with Owens' wife or mount her head on a pike. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about that. 
population. That's right. You know what? I like the co- why why does this channel why does this channel have better continuity than WWE? Cuz we actually remember stuff from time to time. Cuz none of us are 75. Uh, yeah, that's that's part of it. I, not even collectively. And you know what? If the show ended right here, I would give it like a modest 7 out of 10. It would have it honestly I, I probably would have leaned toward a higher score myself. But the show did not end here. The show ended with this. Randy, or- <laughs> Randy Orton versus the Fiend Bray Wyatt in a Firefly Inferno match. First off, I have several problems with this. One, Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt always sucks. It is always a disaster. No Mercy 2017. The Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt match sucked. And back then I was begging, begging, begging for him to just beat Randy Orton clean because at that point Bray Wyatt needed a clean main event win over a big name. What did they do? They had a boring match and then Luke Harper interfered allowing Randy allowing Bray Wyatt to get the dirty win. So there goes that and the match was boring and it sucked. Um they had that god-awful WrestleMania match with the bug hologram thing in the ring. That Don't forget sucked. the House of Horrors. They had the House of Horrors at Payback, which was even worse than that. They remember? Do you remember that one SmackDown where Randy Orton tried to creep Bray Wyatt out, and he just had his Titantron with his face on it go upside down? Yes. I can do that. On my editing software, I can pull up Wonder Cheryl Fulmora right now and do the same exact thing. This is a multi-million dollar company, thinking that that's cool and creepy. I hate the show. Oh, uh, trust me, they did a lot of that in this. <laughs> this was back in 2016 and 17, ladies and yeah. gentlemen. And now, not only are they having these two go at it again, they had the temerity to reference that god-awful feud. (laughs) When they have continuity, they do it with stuff that sucks. I like, I love the fact that they brought all this back up, but it's like, this is not the stuff we want to reminisce about. Do you know why they, do you know why they bothered to bring that back up? Because they've been doing that with the Fiend from the start. No, 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 no. Do you know why they specifically brought that back up? Because they hate me. <laughs> I was going to say, because they're trying to resell people on it. Because they want to make me mis- They want to make me embarrassed to be a wrestling fan, and it's working. Well, here's the, uh, here's the ridiculous part of it. This was their best match? That is depressing. Question mark? That is depressing. Another issue, another issue before the bell even sounded, no one knew what the rules of this thing were until it's, until like halfway through the match. No, what was great is that, I don't even remember this guy's name, but in-ring announcer B, he's like, this is a match where they're like, all right, it's time. It's an Inferno match, all right, here's the rules, everybody. It's like, the, the, the chippiness that the, the announcer was like chipper happy to be there. Yes. And he's like, he was like a kid on Christmas morning. Fire. He was like, 
Someone's getting lit on fire, kids! Yeah. And then, Jesus. and then, Randy Orton comes out in a tracksuit. Get it because he doesn't want to get set on fire. Who oh, wouldn't? No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's a hoodie and Batista certified skinny jeans. Oh my god. Oh wait, it gets better. So then, I was running out of time, so I wanted to see how long these entrances were going to go. Eight and a half minutes later. Yep. <laughs> the match starts. I skipped all of it. I was like, I'm not going. Eight minutes of entrance, folks. That's a hundred miles an hour or grandma on the freeway. <laughs> There's no middle ground. <laughs> God. That's all you get. It's Can either- you feel my annoyance? Through Messenger right now. Oh, well, it got worse because then it, Orton started doing shots and the feed started selling like an anime character. Yes, he did. First, first he starts laughing, then he gets in and he just sticks his tongue out, then he does his butt and he goes, oh, <laughs> And then they like... <laughs> You're not wrong. And then they just, they do this whole thing and then it's just like, and then what is it with these two that they always have to go into finisher fests? I don't know. What is it with these two and their complete lack of chemistry? They legitimately, they're like, all right, two seconds in, RKO. No, Sister Abigail. No, RKO. No, Sister Abigail. All right, then we'll run around a little bit and do all that again. Ladies and gentlemen, these two have nuclear apocalypse levels of bad chemistry. They cannot have a good match together. I love Bray Wyatt, and I love Randy Orton. Together, it sucks. It's always garbage. And also, another thing that got on my nerves, this Inferno match started, and the only way to win is to set your opponent on fire. It took them five minutes to light the fire. I hate this. It is so cheesy. It is... I hate this so much. And then this is... Jessica is getting Cornette Bruce levels of anger right now. This hokey D-list horror movie crap is the worst. This is WWE at its dirt worst. When they... And then Bray Wyatt goes outside and pulls out Sister Abigail's chair for fun. Because that's always around. You know, we've had that uh, ringside every time that The Fiend has come out since he's debuted, right? Sean, can right? I tell you something that might Anybody? shock you? Can I tell you something that might shock you? You know what one of my least favorite gimmicks in WWE is right now? Is it The Fiend? The Fiend. They have ruined yeah. him. Do you remember how yeah. excited I was when they first introduced him at SummerSlam uh, like a year ago? Yeah, Goldberg has a fun way of killing his character, doesn't he? The Seth Rollins Hell in a Cell match was the first step in the ruination. The Goldberg oh, yeah. thing was when I was just done. And the yeah. feud with Braun Strowman was just I w- it was just like digging up the corpse of the grave of the gimmick and just burning it to its ashes. And this match where they actually burned him to ashes is just them pissing on the ashes. And then the Dunderdome just did not set the tone for the severity of this match or and and it didn't help that you had all these screens and then it's like Samoa Joe sounded like he was like 
hit the cemetery already. But Sean, some of the screens were on fire. That's no. Which no, was also stupid. This was just. Oh, how are you gonna win the match? You just throw the guy into a flaming screen. But somehow they still they still ended up being their best match somehow, and then the finish Depressing. came out of nowhere. Yep. Okay, let me let me get into this finish. So whenever someone puts someone else in the mandible claw, they're pushing them. So why is the fiend pushing Randy Orton, but Randy Orton is pushing him back into fire? He should have been pushing Randy Orton away from the... How is Randy Orton overpowering the supernatural monster fiend Bray Wyatt when he has his finishing move locked in? It makes turns, no sense. And then turns oh, this is my favorite part. He said to oh, well, before we get to that, I'm sorry, I didn't get to the finish, because then they do this thing, which was so very obviously set up in pre-tapes, where he sets the chair and he gets the gasoline and he does the pouring line, he gets Orton in it, he said lights the match and drops it. There's a bunch of cheap cuts, and then Randy Orton gets out of the way, and the cut was not fast enough to how fast a fire would light. Yep. So, very clearly that was shot and retaken. Yep. So that was very clearly destroyed out of the moment. And then Bray the dumbass puts two fingers on, like pushes the chair. I noticed that. I was like, dude, you're going to lose. Dude, if he had caught fire from two fingering that chair, I would have busted out into so much laughter. It was like, if he lost on that technicality and then they tried to just cover it and keep fighting, that would have been A grade. And then he pulls out, like, a bunch of, like, random weapons, like a pickaxe. Ooh. <laughs> just to make Orton have to just get coloring books for Christmas the rest of his life. And he, and, uh, and he gets a whip, and then he sets the whip on fire. What happens when the whip completely catches on fire, you're still holding it, and your hand catches on fire, and you lose, you idiot. And then he gets a stick, and then he gets a stick, sets it on fire, and the same thing almost happens. I hate this match. Oh, wait. It gets better. Because then, <laughs> then they do this thing, and finally the finish happens, and Bray Wyatt gets set on fire, and then he lays in the ring with a couple patches, and then the fire's out, and then he sells. So it took 10,000 chair shots and sledgehammer shots at WrestleMania to knock this guy down, and he still got up. But a few patches of fire that are put out on a flame-retardant suit, and the fiend is out. No, it's, it's even worse than that. He's running around while on fire. Randy Orton RKO's him once, and he's dead. So an RKO is more dangerous than fire. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> because fire doesn't happen out of nowhere. <laughs> RKOs happen out of nowhere. And then, Smokey the Bear should not be afraid of fire. He should be afraid of the RKO. That's right. God, Only you can prevent life. RKOs out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> this was, and then, and then Orton's like, "All right, I think I'm just gonna kill him." And also <laughs> after, wait, wait, wait before. Another thing I loved about this, after he set Bray Wyatt on fire, there was no bell. No, yeah. There was there was no finish to this. The match never ended. We're still in it. So they, how do you have a no finish in an Inferno match where a dude actually gets set on fire? Oh, uh, well, twice. Oh, 
like sniffs the gas can and like pulls back. I'm like, you idiot! I love how I love how the entire goal of the match was to set your opponent on fire. So he did that. And then he's going to do it again, and now the announcers are like, Don't do it, Randy! It'll be an atrocity! Don't do it! And I'm like, hey, where were you 30 seconds ago when he was on fire? As if they weren't in the arena with him, like, just feet away. God. If somebody was actually going to set somebody else on fire, they'd all be stopping him. They wouldn't all be just be like, no, don't. There weren't even any referees in that building. Also, remember when <laughs> remember when Jay Uso's foot got pilmanized and you had like 30 people helping him out? Where were they when they he literally set, set someone on fire? They just oh, let the fiend burn to death. Yeah, uh, it was just... And then I just... I loved everything about this. It was so cheesy. And then he sits... He sets the fiend on fire. He gets completely set on fire. And then the pyrotechnics just go haywire, and he poses in front of the pyrotechnics. And that's how the show goes off the air. No, before the show goes off, they pipe in a girl screaming, and then it goes off the air. Oh, God. God, this sucked. It was bad. And I love when Orton's sniffing the gas like a total dumbass. Also, further enforces another point that we found out this year is that pro wrestlers do not know how to use basic tools. They don't. <laughs> Between the box cutter and Strowman and... The tape the, and Sasha... Uh, the, the tape and Bailey. The duct tape. The duct tape with the Hell in a Cell with Bailey and Sasha Banks. And now with Orton and the gas can, these people would not make good landscapers. No, they would not. <laughs> There's a reason they chose pro wrestling instead. They would the die. <laughs> they would they would injure themselves. <laughs> it's just funny. It just makes me laugh. But uh this this match was just bad. This... I mean it was it was everything that it was everything that Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt's feud encapsulates. And, and with all of this, this was the main event of TLC. Not a tables match, not a ladder match, not a chairs match, not a tables, ladders, and chairs match. A Firefly Inferno match. Other than a man getting set on fire, why was this the close of the show? I don't know. Why? I don't know. It's so funny. It's just so funny. This was our sign off before Christmas. Setting a man on fire. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Hope you enjoy Christmas, kids. If you see a clown, burn him. Jesus Christ. That's that's the moral of the story, folks. Burn clowns. God. Okay. Wow. Only WWE can you get these quality entertainment. This was this was bad. With the right mindset, this was ten stars. High, high as hell on drugs, you would love this match. High, high on drugs, you'd love everything. You would never want to see a wrestling match that didn't involve Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt if you were high. Yes. All right, but so this, Skyler's this notes. Is, uh... Skyler's notes. I have a feeling he's going to agree with us on this. How many times do we have to keep going down this rabbit hole? Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt have never, never have good matches, and they always end up becoming weird, gimmicky shit. 100% accurate. Yeah, that, that pretty much nails it. They did some fighting early on, which was fine, even though it did spam signature moves and finishers, which Sean did also mention. 
Then the Fiend lit the ringside on fire, and man, you would not be able to do that with a crowd, so I admit it was a cool visual. I disagree. I thought it looked stupid. It was stupid. But it took me a second before I realized what this match was. It was a cinematic match that happened in the ring instead of away from one, and I immediately lost interest. That's when you lost interest? Yeah. (laughs) Not when this was announced? I never lost interest. I thought this was just so, like, this so bad, it's bad. Dude, the, the, the instant I heard Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt, I immediately clocked out. Yeah, I was like, oh no, this cannot end well. I could tell, <laughs> I could tell because the announcers were calling it, but clearly was not live and they were not ringside. There were special effects used like stuff with the lightning on the the chair on fire and it not having blood one second when Randy was sitting on it having it having blood on it after Randy got off the chair. The fiend laughed while looking at Randy Orton, but the camera was behind Bray's clearly not moving head, meaning that the laugh was fake and put in post production. I didn't notice that good eye. Uh, they kept brawling in and around ringside and using different weapons and teasing lighting someone on fire. Then Randy Orton lit the Fiend on fire by putting his back into the flames, and the Fiend proceeded to stand there while on fire, then jumped into the ring to attack Randy Orton and ate an RKO and laid down and laid to rest face down in the ring. By the way, if you notice very closely in one shot, the Fiend still had fire on him, and then they turned Randy Orton's shocked face, and when they came back, the fire was already out on the Fiend, which clearly would have still been there if it was a real fire. And then Randy Orton, like any other good criminal, after committing murder, proceeds to destroy the evidence and lights the Fiend's body on fire. F.U. Vince 4. <laughs> you know, the more that I hear it, like even in description, the more I'm thinking this might be one of the greatest things WWE has ever come out with. <laughs> in a comedic way, yes. In the, it's so bad, it's good kind of way. <laughs> I'm like starting to turn around on this thing. Jesus. <laughs> Christ. It's so bad. It's All so, right. Don't get me wrong. It's so astronomically bad. But just the absurdity of how bad it is makes this somewhat entertaining. Ladies and gentlemen, this was the room of wrestling matches. This Jesus is the match where Christ. wrestling matches go to be incinerated and then lay in the middle of the ring and then get incinerated again. Okay, I have a question. I have a question. On your channel, you did a review of the uh, Silent Night, Bloody Bloody Night Christmas match with the barbed wire yes. Christmas tree. What yes. was funnier, that match or this match? I, it's, I would say that they're similar in, in how bad they were. I would say this match was probably better than, than Silent Night, Bloody Night. Because the ridiculous thing about the Silent Night, Bloody Night match from TNA 2007 is like they have the barbed wire Christmas tree with a bunch of like sporting equipment underneath it that they start hitting each other with. But the most ridiculous part is after everyone's hit with tacks and class and all this, James Mitchell comes to run interference and the referee goes to like take a distraction. Like they didn't all just hit each other with barbed wire and broken glass. Didn't at like, one point stuff. someone grab the tree, pull it to one side of the ring, and swing it like a pendulum, and the dude had to grab it to pretend to get stuck with it? Yeah, that was so gross. <laughs> <laughs> he tried. The poor guy. He looked so bad. Dustin was in such bad shape okay, at that point. Okay, <laughs> for those of you that don't have a clue what we're talking about, TNA, a different wrestling company, 
had a match in 2007 where they had a barbed wire Christmas tree hanging from the ceiling. And it involved a guy named Relic, who's just killer, spelled backwards, and Shark Boy. Oh, and Shark Boy was nursing injury. He came out that ring with a neck brace and, like, ta- like so much tape, like, around both legs, both arms. Even had his fin had a little patch on it. Oh. <laughs> it was, it's, like, just, it's next-level absurdity. God. Uh, yeah. So, so, just goes to show that you just cannot escape it. <sighs> Pro wrestling is dead, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Sean, what did you think of the show overall? Well, from what I'm now starting to learn, might just be the masterpiece coup de grace of WWE's year. Uh, the rest of this match, the rest of this show, was actually all right. I, I mean, I, again, I hated the way that Drew and AJ, I just hated where they were and the circumstances around it. But all in all, there was nothing egregiously offensive, save for that last match. Yeah. So I'm, I gave this a six. Six out of ten? I gave, I gave Survivor Series a five and a half to a six. I gave this a definitive six. It was, it could have been worse, but that, that last match really did bring a lot of the show down for me. Me, personally, I thought, in a vacuum, in isolation, this was a good show... If you take out the main event, but the fact, like, if it, if the if the show stopped after the Universal Title match, I would have given this like a modest seven out of ten. But when you factor in all the atrocious booking, the death of multiple gimmicks on this show, and a person, yes, and a person, <laughs> uh, and like. When you think of how awful the presentation, the booking, and that main event was, I, I was going to give this show a 7 out of 10, but after that main event, I'm giving this show a 5 out of 10. Yeah. If you want to go back and watch this show, fine. Just turn it off after uni- the Universal title match. Or get, well, get, get plastered and then watch the main event. Or, or what you could do, folks, is you could watch it all a second time, like myself and Grammar Note Sky are going to, and listen to our review on the Court Martial Podcast next week. That's right, I'm going to watch all this again. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, go subscribe to the Court Martial Podcast, so, where Sean and Skyler uh, torture themselves for your entertainment, kind of like what we're doing today. That's right, and and uh, so we're gonna, I'm going to get to see all of that cheesy goodness oh that involves God. fire and Bray Wyatt once again. But look, folks... I, you can't make this stuff up. This was one of the most ridiculous things. I think you know. I miss us just reviewing the big four. Yes. <laughs> that, that's my. If, that's can my we go back to that, please? Because if we do more like this, I might actually hang myself. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna start having to cut myself, and that's that's no good. All right. So Skyler's uh, closing thoughts. Damn it, Vince, I was about to give you praise for two great TLC matches, a couple of solid tags, and even if it was not for me, a decent women's title match. But you had to go Hollywood and cinematic for that last match, didn't you? Never book Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt ever again. Thank you! Someone gets me! Agreed. FU Vince 5. And here I was about to award WWE a 6 out of 10 for the show. Instead, I must knock it down a full point to 5 out of 10, and I would have made it lower if it were not for the work done during those TLC matches. If you watch the show and only watch the first five matches, you come away with uh, a good two-and-a-half-hour wrestling show. At this point with WWE, you get what you get, and you take the bad with the good. 
Still for what this is, TLC 2020 wraps up another year of WWE pay-per-views, and now we can prepare for the next WWE pay-per-view, the Royal Rumble, on January 31st, 2021. So until then, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to everyone from the Bay Area Brawler, Skylar Greenberg. TLC score, 5 out of 10. <sighs> you know what I just had? You know what the thought just came to my mind? I'm scared. We're going to get Edge come back, and then he's going to feud with Randy Orton again for six more matches. Yep. But, I, but we've already seen the greatest wrestling match ever of all time in perpetuity throughout the universe forever and ever and ever and ever. They'll do even better. It's an e it's even better than the greatest. That's that'll be the tagline. Even it's better than the greatest match time. ever. It's the twice in a lifetime and uh, greatest perpetual in perpetuity throughout the universe forever and ever and okay, ever. Okay, Sean, and ever. I don't think they deserve that level of insult, but I see what you mean. It's uh, uh it's but, what they do. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to our review of TLC 2020. I'm going to take some Tylenol and go to bed. Uh, go listen to the Court Martial Podcast. Thank you for joining us. See you later. See you at the Rumble. God, this show made me hate my life. Good night, everybody. <laughs>